You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Pecci. Hello. Welcome. Come have a seat. How are you guys? Grab a beer. Grab a sandwich. Um, this is actually a cool episode. It's been a while since I've been able to be current <laughs> on the show because I have been recording these episodes uh, pretty far in advance. Um, so today I'm recording this, what is this, the fourth? So this will be out next week, so it's pretty immediate. Um, I'm in the studio today with my guest, um, and uh, we're recording everything live, we're mixing everything live, so hopefully we'll have some tasty fuck-ups that you guys will like to hear. Um, and I'm just pumped. I'm pumped to be here in person with a guest who is probably... you. Been on the show more than anybody at this point. I think so. And to the point where there's nothing special about you being here. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, here's have... a special guest. Like, this is, I'm the ordinary guest. <laughs> I didn't even have snacks for you. You're I'm just, just like, like, it's like an in-law. Yeah. That's it. I'm just the in love with the process in-law. Lance was our friend. He's like, uh, I'm a little hungry. You want to go get a sandwich or something? I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't even provide it. <laughs> I, I told you, you know, I got it. I was like, fuck, I haven't eaten anything yet. I need to eat food. All right. So if you guys can't figure out his voice, who this guy is, this is Lance Williams. Lance is on the show again. Hello, Lance. Hey, is my voice iconic? Is it like if you can't tell from his voice, this is Lance? I'm like, oh fuck! I hope there's someone out there who's like, hey, that sounds like Lance. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hope that point. happens. Well, I mean, you can obviously distinguish between the two. Yeah. Of us. So yes. yeah, yeah. Um, very excited to have you on today's show. It's been a while since we've hung out. Hold on, let me turn my chair so that I'm not staring at my fucking feet. See, this is the kind of production that you guys can expect. Move that giant tub. Up. It sounds like like monsters stomping around. What is this? <laughs> Lance has this giant tub. It looks like a five-gallon thing of water. It's one gallon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to drink more water, man. You know, um, you know, I smoke like a chimney, so I was like, oh, I need to kind of find better habits. Were you not drinking enough water before? Nah, not as much as I should. Well, this is quite the upgrade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it too. It's got those little marks where it's like for each time of day. The only thing I could miss out on is like the inspirational quotes. We're like, "Keep going, you can do it." I'm like, "No, I don't know if I need that at three p.m. I'm just, I, I've got it. I've got it under control." That's why you haven't been drinking water. Yeah. So now, now, now that I'm inspired, yeah, throughout the day, now I drink more. Prior to this, all those the glasses of water were pretty uh, abusive to you. Yeah, I was like, like ah, "This yeah. is not it for me. This doesn't taste right for me." You just spend more time pissing now. Yeah. That's pretty much, that's the move. That's it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm doing great. I feel like I'm like giving myself an oil change every day. Yeah. So like I said, we're going to be uh, on the fly today, sort of doing this live, which is fun. If you can't hear in the background, we have uh, timers going off. People are cooking. We're in a space today with people moving around and doing things. I always love saying this shit on the show because while we're here, like especially when the landscaper shows up, mm -hmm. we're here and I hear it on the headphones and it sounds like the world is fucking ending. <laughs> but by the time I get the post-production done on it and the mm -hmm. noise removal and everything, it isn't even there anymore. So you hear me yeah. on the show bitching about... Yeah, there have been a few times you're like, oh, that's fucking thing. And I'm like, I didn't hear that at all. <laughs> nothing just now. But it's great because it just makes it sound like you're insane. Like like Mike's having a little mental breakdown mid-episode. This is pretty, pretty pretty routine on this show. It's pretty routine. Uh, oh, you've been shit. listening to... How's the show sounding? I've been doing all sorts of new post-production stuff. Good. I love the new music. Uh, what is that? Jambox? No, so this is an, uh, um, uh, a new artist that we just teamed up with called The Neon Droid. 
Ah, well, I meant the music from the other episode. This one was good, though. Yeah. <laughs> I like this track, but I was just referring to the other. Uh, was it the, the Taco Truck episode, the music on that one was really good? Yes. Um, the, that was uh, Jambox. I think the West Side Story one was mostly, you mostly use like the soundtrack stuff in that, right? Like the trailer music and no, shit? No, just at the beginning. But then yeah. we, we go into, seamlessly go into mm-hmm. like some Code Electro. So uh, if you guys haven't noticed, we just released last week <clears throat> brand new graphics, which I'm fucking pumped about. Um, and, uh, basically been doing new production sounds for the show as well as, um, new music. So I've got five new musicians that are on the show right now, which is really cool. A lot of synth wave stuff. Um, we're going to get deep, actually a little teaser for you guys. We're going to get deep into the synth wave movement. There's a documentary on synth wave that Mm. is coming out. Really? And I have the director coming on the show in the next Ooh. few weeks. And he they interview everybody. So he's got a power glove on there. He's got like all these dudes on the show. No shit. Gunship. A lot of these acts that I've been having trouble cracking too. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed, everybody. If I can get them on the show, we start talking about this stuff. Maybe I can get access to some of these other bands that have been a little bit more difficult to find. And I think the main reason for that is that a lot of these guys are in different countries. So they're in like France and uh, all these different spots so just time zone wise it ends up being kind of a bitch in general but uh yeah so new graphics for the show if you guys uh like it let me know follow me on instagram at mike petchy or the show in love with the process pod on instagram uh super excited that my buddy zach matthews uh he is otherwise known as crunchy fingers so if you go to i love that name <laughs> crunchyfingers.com uh zach makes these amazing absolutely amazing pins and you've probably if you follow me on instagram you've probably seen me post the pin that i bought from him they're gorgeous him and i started to have a conversation we got along he's really fucking chill he's uh he actually does pinstriping on like um like on cars and shit on cars and shit yeah. oh yeah that's a that's a fun skill to have yeah yeah that's did you ever hand. do that no, because it's like a steady hand fucking game. Oh, you were more like the mechanical end of it, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, I didn't do it. We used that. to do that shit. It was the best with you. Oh, because you did like car painting. Auto stuff. body, all that shit, yeah. yeah. You got to the point where we, I could get it down so I'd put the, the, the end of the tape like right at the nose of the fender, and I would just unroll it all the way back and line it up. Done. Wow. I remember I was working at Make at the time, and I was doing it, and they are like, oh, it's going to take all day. How long is this going to be? And I'm like, do you need like two hours? I said, yeah, yeah, flat rate me two hours, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like five minutes was done. I was like, thank you. And I want the two hours still. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I'm fast and good at my job. Just like, how many years took it to get to the point where I could do the two hour job in five minutes? Yeah, it's five minutes, but it's $200 for five yeah. minutes. It was cheap pinstripe tools. That's just going to peel off eventually. Yeah. 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 It's, it's fascinating stuff. The whole car painting and like airbrushing and all that stuff was yeah. such an interesting thing. And this dude does a lot of that. So, I mean, that's, I think that's his day job. Oh shit! And then he did a hobby. He did a like um, started this hobby of doing these pins because this is like this is giant pin culture mm-hmm. that's out there. He's got some sweet pins too. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. They sell out fast. Yeah, I don't think you had posted it. And I went to go look. I was like, oh, I gotta see what else is here. And I saw like the owl one. Yeah, there was another one in there that um, I think it looks like, like that one, like the split face one. Yeah. It was a bunch, and I was like, oh, great. I just started trying to throw things in my shopping cart, and they're like, nope, nope, out of stock, out of stock. I'm like, ah! Yeah, they're super cool. Um, so, yeah, him and I are working on some stuff that uh, I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but uh, he did design that new logo, which is super cool. 
Oh yeah, the uh, the uh, flaming mic. The f- yeah. mic skull. Yeah, the mic skull. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. I like it. Um, and uh, I think I'm gonna eventually have him on the show. Hold on, I gotta. <sighs> we just ate sandwiches. It's the demons gotta get them out. Get them out. Uh, I think I'm gonna have him on the show, and uh, we'll get nerdy about that stuff. Um, but uh, what's up with you? You just got back. You were traveling and yeah. working. Yeah, I was just in Boston. Um, I got picked up for a recurring co-star on the show. Kevin can fuck himself. <laughs> it's my favorite job I've ever booked just because when people, like my mom's like, so what are you working on? I'm like, oh, a TV show for AMC. What's it called? Kevin can fuck himself. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> and then my mom was like, television is not the same anymore. <laughs> She's like, oh. You should be more creative when you lie to me. Yeah. It's, it's okay that you don't have <laughs> a like, job. Yeah, you know, are you actually, you're in LA and you're homeless, aren't you? I'm like, no, 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 mom, it's, it's real. It's a real thing. Yeah, the sequel's going to be mom can go fuck herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the phone just doot, 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 doot. Uh, yeah, so, so I did that. That was really good. Um, it's interesting, too, because have you ever seen the show? No, but I've heard of it because... What's her name? The lead is uh, from... Um, Annie Murphy. Yeah, she was in um, Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek, which was a yeah, great show. She's fantastic in that. She's really good in this. Uh, but what made this job so cool was that the, the, the show, the, it's shot two ways. You have multicam and then single cam. So your multicam, uh, since the concept of the show is the real life of a, um, a sitcom wife. Right. And so part of the show is shot just like a sitcom. And then they'll punch in for dramatic moments. And then we go single cam. Everything's really dark and broody. And that's now we're getting into her specific point of view of that world. Um, and when I got the job, I was like, man, I hope I get to do both or like be on set for both things. Cause like, I know how it's going to feel to be on the, the single camera. You know, I've done that. But like, I've never seen what the sitcom world looks like to be on that stage. And so we went to do this job. The first half of the job was just a sitcom multicam. That's cool. It was so cool, man. Like, and it was like fucking like five or six cameras. It was insane. This huge set. Everything is so detailed down to like there's, I feel like somebody went and put dust on things to make it look <laughs> like it had not been moved. Like, it was just so well put together. And even the cast, they're all just funny as hell. So it's like all these like comedic actors and you're just hanging out waiting to start the take. And they're just riffing with each other. Hmm. So it just feels like we all got tickets to like a free fucking comedy special, you know? Hmm. So it was really nice. And I go back in two weeks to shoot the next episode that I'm done. That's cool, man. And yeah. was it was the multicam more like a play? Was it longer Absolutely. takes? Yeah, it was like... Absolutely. And then shorter days, too. Yeah. Um, when we did multicam, they would just get every... We'd rehearse. They'd go back to the trailer. they call us back in like a half hour later. And we run it and run it and run it and run it over and over and over and over. And then once they're happy, then we're pretty much done for the day. Great. That's it. That's a scene wrap. That's great. Next day we come in. Same thing with a new scene. Run it, run it, run it. Like we went in one day. I think I got to set by seven. We were on the floor by eight and 10, 10 a.m. I was going back to the trailer, grab my shit and go home. That's crazy. The single cam day. That was long as shit, though. Yeah. Those are like, they're like, no, no, no. And it was funny too, like watching people on set that like fuss a little bit more about it. They're like, oh, we're not, they're having us do anything. Why are we here? I'm like, dude, you're still getting paid. Like, what difference does it make? It doesn't like, yeah, whatever. And we had three days that were super easy. This one day, we're going to actually work to 12 hours. Fuck it. Yeah. And then you can, you know, look around and learn mm-hmm. something. And- oh, yeah. We were on a huge stage. I was poking all around because mm-hmm. they had a bunch of sets already built from the other things they had shot or were going to shoot. So when we weren't needed, I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to walk around here. It's super dark. There's no one around. I'm like, it's not like I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like walking around different sets, like monologuing and shit. Do, 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 do. No one sees me here. <laughs> uh, th- that's cool, man. Yeah. Because you told me you had a gig, but you didn't mm-hmm. tell me what the show was. Yeah. 
And so you were like, oh, I'm doing the thing. Still working out how to, how to sell the joke of Kevin can fuck himself when <laughs> I tell people. But then I was, Gina told me. She was like, did you know he's on that show? Fucking like, spoiler alert. <laughs> like, Lance didn't tell you. You didn't tell me you were on that show. So, yeah. yeah. That's cool, man. That's great. And then you were back on the East Coast. How was the East? It was nice, man. Whenever I go back, um, I stay with Eddie's family. They're always really gracious with me to like give me that space to be there and uh, save me a whole bunch of money in hotels. Um, but it was great. I, when I, right when I landed, it was snowing immediately. Oh. But my favorite thing with going back home is there's, it was, I was talking to his mom about this, is that there's always a moment where I go, ah, yes, I'm home. Oh, there's so always lucky. a moment. Yeah. And it's usually something someone says. Hmm. So in this case, his dad picks me up from the airport. We're riding back and his phone goes off and he goes, oh, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, I'm back home. And then uh, th for Thanksgiving, when I went, <laughs> it was so damn funny. His brother picks me up uh, and we get back to the house. We get to the house probably like 430, right? So, you know, they're having people over. It's getting close to time. Mm -hmm. I get out of his suburban. I'm sitting around back. I was like, I'm going to have a smoke and then I'll come inside and say hi to everybody. And he's like, oh, we'll wait. And so the front door just boom opens and his mom steps out. Where the fuck have you been? <laughs> and I lean around the corner. And she goes, oh, hi, Lance. Hey, honey, come here. Give me a hug. <laughs> So I give her a hug and she's like, Stephen, what the fuck? People are going to be here and you're not helping me. Like, it was just so funny. I was like, holy shit. And I was like, yes, yes, I'm home. This yeah. is this is how it feels. This is what family feels like, you know, yeah, yeah. and I had a blast then too. It was just, so, you know, it's always great to go back home, especially when it's like you go home, there's a job, you know, but you're not super busy. So you can spend time with family, do some things. But you also have a sense of purpose there and, you know, right, sort of like lounging right. around. Yeah, yeah. I miss yeah. it, dude. I haven't been, I haven't been back in. Three years, four, three and a half years. Fuck, man. It's been that long. Jesus. It's been long, man. Take your ass home, man. Mm. I mean, at this point, like, uh, <laughs> I just say, mm. <laughs> we're, we're going back in August because okay. uh, a friend of ours is getting married. And so, well, two people are getting married. So, what, a friend of Gina's is getting married and she's in their wedding party and we have to go to that wedding, which I think is going to be in Maine or something, Vermont. And then a friend of mine or a friend mm. of ours that we know, which I'm just not outing on the show. But, gotcha. uh, he's I'm glad a, you said that because I was about to be like, whoo, yeah. never mind. But now I know. He's, uh, he's getting married and I'm, I'm in the wedding party, which I've never been in the wedding party before. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm excited. Uh, like, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not the best man. I get it. I mean, yeah. I haven't known him long enough to be the best man, even though I... You know, I talk about him all the time, and you know, I I think that we're close, but it's yeah. fine. I'm not hurt or anything. But yeah, you're being the better man now. Yeah, exactly. You know, by <laughs> not being hurt. <laughs> actually, actually, I'm relieved that I'm not the because the best man comes with like a lot of responsibility. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, uh, and I think yeah. it's nicer to just be. I guess it, what do they call them, groomsmen or whatever. Yeah, groomsmen. Uh, I like that because I could just show up and kind of be yeah. like that. That rock see, it's star. good you know that now because when I was someone's best man in their wedding, I thought I'd, same thing, just show up and you know. Eh. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't have to give like a speech and a toast. Okay, great, yeah, I can, I can do that, no, no problem. But there was a bunch of other stuff I was supposed to do that yeah. I just didn't do. And I was like, oh fuck. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of shit. They got divorced though, so I feel like you <laughs> know, it your it's fault. okay. <laughs> yeah, they're like, if this fucking groomsman, if the if the, if the best man was better. <laughs> You ruined everything. I clearly was not the best man. <laughs> so who's the best man for the job? How do they how do they come up with what to call that? Like bridesmaid, I get groomsman, I get maid of honor. Also for women, it's a very cool title. It sounds like I don't know, very Arthurian, I, the maid of honor, well, and then I, just fucking best man. When I think about when I think about it, I think back to like why weddings were there originally, mm -hmm. and it's like 
land. It was like, here's like yeah. 12 goats and here's a piece of land yeah. for my daughter. And then the sort of switch for that. Yeah. So at that point, at that point, the best man, which is like wrangling the goats. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, he's the best man for the job. Yeah. He's like, oh, hold on. Here's the, here's the seven, right? Seven of them. I counted them out. Here you go. Seven goats. Uh, and the maid of honor, it was always like, who's next? You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like weird yeah. sort of lineup of. It's such a cool title, though. It is. Maid of honor. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I mean, this is an honorable woman over here. That guy's just the best at what? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I'm fascinated by the whole process. I think it's going to be fun yeah. to do. And I get to like I reached out to the to the best man and I was like, dude, I know you got a lot of prep to do on this kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it's like, all right. So the movie producer in me is like, I can help you book. And, He's you know, like, back off, Mike. He's off. Like, he's like, thank God. He <laughs> <laughs> was more like, thank God, that will help. But um, yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. So, long story short, we'll be back in theory in August, which I think I'm just. Oh, that's just, a good time. I think we're just gonna stay the whole month. Nice, because then we'll just do like hang out with my brother, hang mm-hmm. out, and, and then I'll drive to New York, and so then it'll be like and you get out of there before all the fucking uh, October tackiness kicks in. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So everyone's like, we're going to Salem. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have fun. Um, although fall in New York is the best time to be in New York. Oh, it's the shit. I feel like yeah. New York City at fall is pretty awesome. So the Northeast in general, like that, I remember even living in Hartford and when, when like October, November would hit, I would just love being outside. Mm-hmm. It's something about the sky just looks different. Mm-hmm. Everything, the, the way the light hits everything, the changing leaves, mm-hmm. even how people are dressed. There's just something different about it. Like there's that relief. You're like, okay, the heat's over with. Mm-hmm. This feels good, but I need a light jacket, but it's not snowing at least. So that's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Jesus. Sorry, guys. Um, More demons. Uh, it's, that's a tuna fish sandwich and a turkey sandwich. Um, which is ironic that I'm saying that because we're going to get into a sandwich segment on this show. That was a really good segue. Did you set segue? that up intentionally? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Dude, I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> Your brain is just now just set up in punchline. <laughs> like, There's enough buffer in my brain yeah. at this point. <laughs> I got it. Um, but uh, we're not going to completely segue into that. I'm just teasing okay. it. That's a tease. This a tease. After this commercial break, we'll get it. <laughs> I'm going to get my notebook out and jot yeah. down. How to podcast with Mike Fish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What else? Oh, um, the other thing I wanted to reveal on mm. the show is that uh, if you guys have been listening to the prior episodes, you've heard me talk about um, going and seeing advanced screenings of movies. Oh, and you've heard multiple, like I, there's been multiple screenings. And I think the first time I mentioned it was, how many months ago was this? Like four October. months ago? We saw it in October. October. Yeah. Okay. Because so the, the first, I think this is the first one maybe. One of the first ones was with Lance. Because mm-hmm. you hooked me up with. Oh, the Northman. Yeah. That was the very first one. The Northman, which and you I didn't had go to work. To. I was so fucking mad about that one. Yeah. We and, saw the trailer the other night when we watched Uncharted. And just sat in there, and George was like, "Wait, wasn't this the one?" I said, "I know." And we both, because he was, he wanted to go as well. We both were just like, "Fuck!" Yeah, you both should be disappointed because yeah. that was like that movie. I'm not allowed to talk about those things, but fuck it, that movie is so goddamn good. So really? if you guys are listening, if you're wondering what the coolest movie is going to be in 2022, because I think that comes out in 2022, yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be The Northman. Oh shit! And I've seen it, and I saw it that long ago and uh when we saw that movie there was a bunch of missing scenes a lot of missing effects and i was still fucking engrossed mm. and i hope 
because uh, they said they they hand out these things afterwards. They used to hand out paper and you'd fill out these questions, but now they hand out the, these cell phones. A cell phone in the yellow bag. They're like, if everyone looks under your seat, there's yeah. a cell phone. Yeah. Don't take it with you, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. You try to use this outside this room and you'll explode. Yeah. Um, it's like the fucking suicide squad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you fill out all these questionnaires and stuff. And I think my two, com- my two comments were, so Disney should take notes because they really fucked up Thor. Like after watching this movie, like this is what <laughs> I love. I love that you definitely wrote that because when we talked about it after you saw, you said that exact same yeah, thing. <laughs> exactly, I definitely wrote that. And then um, I was excited uh, because uh, the director was really doing some really epic stuff. And I think what they do often in advanced screenings because the final sound effects aren't there, and sometimes they use temp music, and they warn you of this. Um, uh, they take liberties in it. So they're really mixing the sound effects high. Mm. They're really mixing all this stuff because they know it's not complete yet and they want to have the audience reaction from it. And so I also wrote down like, please don't fuck with the director's vision. Like whatever he's doing here. And you kind of know when they do advanced screenings that somewhere someone has a problem. Yeah. Like, uh, especially that far in advance. Mm -hmm. So you know, like maybe some of the producers or or the company is like, hmm, what do you think of yeah. the performance? Because the questions are like hyper focused. Like, what did you yeah, think? Yeah, the- they're trying to figure suss out something that's been an issue, and I think it makes exactly. sense. You go, let's get a room full of people to look at it, and if enough of the room points this thing out, then okay, yeah, we need to work on that. But if not, then cool, fuck it, then we can move on. You know? But sometimes I feel like it's like producers that are trying to validate their opinion too, where it's just like I would not be surprised. I don't think that this is any good, and mm-hmm. so you have like these hyper focused questions, and my response was, "Don't fuck with the director's vision." Yeah. Like, what he's doing here is amazing. Um, and that's what's-his-name, who directed Lighthouse. Robert Eggers. That's it, Eggers, yeah. So um, I'm fucking pumped to see the difference between the cuts. Mm. But I feel very honored to have seen this first cut because yeah. um, it was a little rough around the edges, and I loved it for it. Like, ah, it so, looks so good. Dude, it's like the coolest Viking movie ever. And, and like... the. There's been a bunch of Viking movies, and maybe you like a lot of that trash Viking TV stuff. And I'm not shitting on anybody mm-hmm. that makes that, but it's just kind of soap opera trash. Yeah. Um, you know, Conan and the Barbarian, if you're like older, mm-hmm. that was a cool, fun movie, but it's still kind of an That movie had a, a cool ass poster. Oh, dude. I remember seeing it as a kid and just being like, what? Dude. And so epic with the fucking sword. Like, I honestly, it looks like. Which you would imagine like the cover of an old Nintendo game, like the first gen- first generation, where like it's the dude with the muscles and the sword and yeah. the beam of light, and there's the girl and he's standing on a pile of skulls, and you're like, I don't know what get this. The game's not gonna look anything like that, but I want to play this shit. Yeah, dude, and it, like the the fucking theme song in that one, mm-hmm. bang, like. I think the Conan theme song is probably the coolest Viking theme song until I went and I saw this. Oh shit! And then, um. What was the Nicholas Refen one with uh, Jesus Christ? With what's his name? Oh, Who? Drive? No. <laughs> Be helpful. <laughs> uh, what was the. I didn't know he did a Viking movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had the audience. Oh, oh. Um, the audience is going, Mike, we know what this movie is and we wish God we could tell damn you. it. It's the bad guy from the Casino Royale. Yeah, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen. He's in there, he's the lead. And it's not the Northman because I keep. It's like a one word thing. Centurion? I can't remember. But that one was cool, but it was very much like a a mopey 
slow yeah. walk through the mountains with random pieces of gore. So it's very much like a Nicholas Refn movie. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, I just want to see this guy go in here and kick ass. Okay. So, okay. So, yeah. So I like the tone of that movie mm-hmm. and I like the kick assery of Conan mm-hmm. and the bravado of Conan. Plus, if you like the witch. Oh, that was a good one. And the intensity of the witch as far as like sound design is concerned. Mm-hmm. This movie's fucking banging. And I don't want to give away. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just saying the movie's banging. I don't even know how we got on this tangent because I was going to spoil something else. We can't spoil it now. It's out. Yeah. So the other movie that we went and saw was The Batman. And we saw The Batman how many months ago? October, I think it was. Yeah. One of our buddies, uh, Connor, he went the same night and he said something about it recently. And I was like, damn, it was October? Holy shit. Yeah, so we saw an advanced screening of that. Which makes sense, because when we the day after we saw it, George and I were talking about it, and then we were like, when does it come out? And I'm like, oh, March. I said, fucking March? Next yeah. year? Yeah, it was crazy. Now here we are. Yep. So that was the movie that I was talking about. And we were lucky, because we got to see a very early version of it. The whole third oh, yeah. act was like... Not finished. Like the it, Storyboards. The, what I do like is that the first two acts seemed like they were done. Mm-hmm. So like all the CG, everything totally polished and packaged and ready to go. Even the story-wise, it felt like first two acts, everything was pretty much buttoned up. That third act just seemed like that's where they were still working. Because mm-hmm. at that point, I'm like, well, fuck, great. I mean, like, okay. I was expecting like, oh, there's going to be things throughout this whole movie, whatever. By the time I got to the third act and things weren't finished, I was like, I don't really care. No, nah, it's not bothering me because I've already watched, you know, two hours of a really fucking good movie. Yeah, it's weird how that works. Mm-hmm. Like, you can still get immersed in it. And it was the same thing I realized with The Northman because there's a whole end sequence in The Northman where they're obviously going to replace everything with visual effects. But the thing that I found fascinating as a filmmaker is that I could see technically how they were doing it because you, there are still these lights there. There are still all the gear yeah. and the pieces in the background and the shots. And you would think that that would pull you out. Mm-hmm. But because of the performances and everything, Jesus Christ, I'm such a yeah. burpy mess on this episode. <laughs> uh, because of the performances and everything and the tone, I, I liked it. I was like, fuck yeah, man. Yeah. And I thought it was really fucking cool. Uh, and even with the Batman, there was a lot of elements that were really cool. I, I'm not going to give my review on the movie until after everybody watches the movie because mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff to talk about. But I thought that it was uh, a fun experience. And I'm curious to see, because you were talking about trying to go see it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if they, how they brought everything together. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm curious to see how they bring together the third act. Um, Hopefully they play uh, that love song from Top Gun at the end of it. <laughs> take my breath away, Berlin. Yep. Bam, bam, down, down, down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's some cool stuff in it. And I, the stuff that I can talk about is the stuff that you guys have already seen mm-hmm. trailer-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Penguin is fucking the man. Yeah. I think it, him and Jeffrey Wright still a show for me. 100%. Because I, I just love that Jeffrey Wright's take on Gordon is so different than what everyone else has done. Mm-hmm. And and he almost feels like if he... It, it feels almost like how, like, when you think of, like, 80s cop movies, like, hey, you son of a bitch. You know, like, he feels like that without it being corny. It just feels like, yeah, yes. this guy's from a time where that was that was how you operated, and now he's finding himself in tough spots, and some of that shit is coming back, you know? Yeah, and the movie's very much a crime film. Oh, yeah, which absolutely. Is, I think that's kind of the, the, str- the strength that it has for it, is that yeah. it is, like, the first real detective mm-hmm. uh, Batman movie. Yeah, because I think even with Nolan's movies, 
while they're amazing in their own right, it, it feels very those to those to me feel like the the James Bond of the Batman movies. 100%, you know, 100%. a lot of cool gadgets, really compelling storylines, heartstrings, and all that shit between the characters, iconic villains, um, and then you know you get like Tim Burton's movies where those feel more of like the this is like the fun stuff. It's the art project. Yes, yeah, art yeah. project films. You know. Yeah. yeah. And so this feels to me like something like just, just something different, you know, because yeah. even if we looked at Snyder with his Batman stuff, like all his Batman felt like like the most loyal in terms of visual from the comics. Like, I think he just did a great job presenting those characters. But this is just something we haven't seen. Sure. Sure. I get that. I mean, we haven't seen for Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 I mean, it's definitely a genre that's got a lot of references that, you know, we can you can easily identify, especially yeah. if you're a fan of films from the 90s. Because this movie is obviously very much influenced by the '90s, mm-hmm. straight through. Whether yeah. it's like the 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 detective genre, I'm not ruining anything. You guys have seen this all in trailers. Mm-hmm. You know, they should send a thank you letter to David Fincher for all mm-hmm. of the aesthetics that are in this movie. Yep. And then down to uh, uh, what's his name, the lead there, Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. You would think because yeah. I just we just worked with him, Robert Pattinson. <laughs> all the way down to Robert Pattinson. Uh, performing, it, it's the closest thing to like a Kurt Cobain grunge, yeah, like Bruce Wayne. Well, this is what we said after we watched it. I was talking to you about it, and I said I like that it feels like they've set this up in a way where if they want to explore more, they could, and not in terms of story, but just in the sense of like they've given us a Batman that has room to grow still. Yes, 100%. you know, and it feels um, almost like a little like Year One, or where he's kind of he feels like a little bit of like a pissy teenager, 100%. and he's just like getting all his fucking rage out by punching stuff because he hasn't learned how to talk about his feelings yet. Hundred percent. You know, and like so, it's exciting to think like, okay, well, if this movie does well, I hope it does, and then they get to go make more. Then cool. Well, where are they going to go with his Batman next? You know, because mm-hmm. the story is whatever. You take the story wherever. I'm more interested to see how does this Batman evolve. How, what does he bring to it? Because he's a great actor, you know? Yeah. So there's no doubt they're going to do something amazing or something compelling. I'm just curious to see what that is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then the rumor is, too, that apparently Matt Reeves is thinking about doing Mr. Freeze for the second one. Mm. And oh, I hope this happens because I've been saying this shit for fucking years. Robert Pattinson said that if they did a second one, he was interested in his Batman going up against the Court of Owls. Uh, so if that worked that out, cool. then we would cool. get the fucking Court of Owls movie with Mr. Freeze. Mm-hmm. Ah, I feel like that's my dream Batman movie. I want to see that one so bad. I've been reading. It's funny that we're talking about this. I've just been reading. I got my hands on. That's the way I'm going to say it. I got my hands on a lot of the Batman books right now. Really? And so I've been reading the line of Batman that I just, I don't know why I didn't pick it up for years, but it's from like 2017 to current. So mm. it's after the Greg Capullo run. It's after the Court of Owls, after like the, oh, right. the, Death, the, of the, Joker, family, the Death of the Family. Yeah. So then they like, I don't want to say rebooted it, but they just put it back to number one, like comic book fucking companies do all the yeah. time. And then they ran this whole new bit, which is an interesting read uh, because this is the, the run where Batman and Catwoman are engaged and they oh. get they eventually get married and the, so the process of that engagement which is really interesting and you know sp- I'll spoil a little bit of it there's this point where like catwoman is still talking to the joker and the joker says to her like look if you marry him and he becomes happy then you kill batman batman you you kill batman 
Mm-hmm. And so that becomes a thing. And so I love like, that kind of stuff in writing where like, uh, your villain can just say one thing fucks everything up. and ruins like you watch it change the hero's path. I always feel like that with those are the best villains because then as the audience member, you sit there and you go, ah, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the hero has no choice or they, they, they agree with this person now. Yeah. You're like, oh, don't go down that road, man. But it makes it entertaining to watch, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's pretty wild. Like, uh, one through 50 were interesting. Issue number one through 50 were interesting. And then they get into this weird territory where he's in this dream world. And so the issues are so fucking weird and really? scattered and they don't really tell you what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so you pick up the next issue and you go, what the fuck's going on? I thought we were on this. And they're jumping all over the place for like a, a good eight to nine issues. We're almost to the point where I'm like, this is trash. I'm putting yeah. it down. Like I can't fucking keep track of this. Yeah. And then they rope it in and they go, oh, by the way, he's been in the dream state. And then all these things are dreams. Ah, uh, okay. So it's like this long con that you're like, Sort of like what they did with the Thomas Wayne bit for a quarter of hours. Yes. Okay, that's what you're saying. And they're like, right. "Hey, you almost lost me here." Like, you see, that's how out. I felt about Silver Surfer Black. It took me a while to finish that I one. I it was it. really good. The artwork was so cool, but it just it, it the artwork is so fantastic. I mean, it's it's like some shit you would want to put up on the wall and frame. But when you're reading it page after page after page, it's it's hard to like feel. What the fuck am I supposed to be looking at? Yeah, yeah. Because it's like all these, it's like really psychedelic and swirly and colorful and bright. And, and then they play with like contrast and perception. So you're looking at like, I don't know what, what the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> you know, and you kind of almost want your eye drawn to something so that I can feel the, oh man, oh shit. Somebody's got, the guy's pulling out his knife now, you know, mm-hmm. something when there's so much going on, I'm like, that guy has a sword. I didn't think that was a sword. I don't, I wasn't worried about danger, you know? Yeah. It's weird, man. It's with comic books for me. Like they fit, they fall into like two different categories. There mm. is the, and it's it's kind of the difference between. Here's a weird here's a weird comparison. It's kind of the difference between series on TV mm-hmm. and movies. Yeah. So if you pick up like the original graphic novel for The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. or it's funny that they're both Frank Miller or Three Hundred. Yeah. You pick that up. That's a movie. That's an aesthetic. It's a visual aesthetic. They're incredibly artful. Oftentimes, just it takes you a while to get into it. Like mm-hmm. the original paneling on The Dark Knight, there were just entire pages of panels of of almost the same drawing of uh, of news anchors just fucking feeding you dialogue. And so like you're like, oh, God, I got to get through this. And so um, that's such an artful thing. And it's, such, it's like a movie. Everything's crammed with so much detail. And then there are the, the, the episodic series stuff. Which I feel like when you start to get into like a, a long running title like Batman, like the mm-hmm. actual Batman book, not like one of the special books that they do, like Long, like uh, Long Halloween by Tim yeah. Sale and all that shit. Like those are movies, but then you get into like, okay, so this is Batman issue forty six. Yeah, now you're in the series. Of time, you feel like you're in a series, mm-hmm. and what I want from a series is consistency. Mm-hmm. So I want that. I want them to book an artist and have that artist at least run through 20 to 30 books. Yeah. Because when they're in that format, they're stretching the storytelling out uh, over the process of usually like 10 issues, mm-hmm. right? And so you're like, okay, at least stick with me for 10 issues. Yeah. You're building on these characters. And I find that I'm connected really strongly with 
how an artist draws Catwoman or how an artist oh one hundred percent draws it makes the, the art makes a huge difference, especially when it's consistent. Yeah, because look at like um, I think it was either you see the Mighty Thor or uh, yeah, Thor yeah. God of Thunder where he uh, battles Gore the God Butcher, which is a really good run. And I think that's one of those cases where they ran it long enough to where like, I got everything I wanted out of it, and they tied it up with a nice little ribbon. Done. Yep. But it's as if the series doesn't stop there it then goes to like a new it just continues into a new adventure with the same thor because we get like the next issue is him coming off of that adventure and going to see jane and kind of dealing with his feelings and she has cancer now what does this mean and it's his closest near-death experience so he's reevaluating. but they shift artist artists yeah drastically and I'm like, oh, this is not even good. What the fuck? Like, well, different yeah. is one thing, but this is not good. Yep. And then the next issue, they shift artists again, and they like start this new story that the same Thor is now going into. And it's just, it was such a hard shift again. And I was like, I'm, I'm done, man. I'm all set. And I'm sure if I was talking to uh, people from the comic book industry, because Temple Smith was on last week, and we talk a little bit about that stuff. I'm sure that uh, there was some sort of internal reasoning for that, where they're trying to figure yeah. out who the next artist is and find another artist. Mm -hmm. And then there are a lot of these artists that are sort of fill-in artists that are really quick and they can turn out a book kind of fast and their art kind of suffers for it. And I have the most sympathy for comic book artists because mm -hmm. they get paid per page. So they, they'll get $150, $200 per page. Shit, and so they so got to hustle. They got to hustle. And so when you see these like, Jeff Darrow's, you see these guys that are like doing ridiculous detail on their work. You're mm -hmm. just like, how the fuck do you do it? Yeah. And you look at like Jim Lee, who I think is one of the masters at that detail and speed and efficiency. Sure. He's also like, uh, what is he? Is he like head ed editor in chief over at DC? So he's making his money in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And I don't think he's as reliant upon like the per page mm -hmm. income that comes in. And even talking to Temple Smith last week, he developed his entire style oh, out of efficiency. And his style uh. was like, and if you go back and look, and I don't think we talked about it on that episode, but when I did the film with him, we were talking about the fact that he got picked up for one of the Spawn secondary books, which was being drawn by another artist. And so his style, he was coming on board I might be misquoting this, but he was coming on board, so he had to kind of replicate the style of really? the prior artist and then find his own style within that, which was fascinating. And if you look at comic book artists, and I'm getting real nerdy here, everybody. Yeah, come on with it. But if you look at comic book artists that are all following Jim Lee, so mm -hmm. like Jim Lee picks up a book and he does like, uh, from the 90s, he does like Wildcats, right? Mm. And then they have all, like all those Wildcats spin Wildcats spinoffs like Backlash. Mm. You have all these different books, and that was drawn by like Brett Booth. Brett Booth obviously, yeah, was was influenced by Jim Lee, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so, but he just slightly alters it, and he slightly changes it a little bit. And it could be the way he draws a woman's uh, sense of surprise, or it could be yeah. the way he draws Spider Man trapped in the air. You just see these artists that are brought in to try to keep the reader interested yeah. past those 20 issues, like that right. Thor book. So what normally they would do is find an artist that was close to what the prior That makes sense was. because after that middle book, the next issue uh, where they, they, they changed the artist for the uh, 
it was a third artist then you could see the similarity like they're trying to get there uh-huh. but it was like something in the ink and the coloring it just there was there's was enough just enough difference i was like it's not quite it though like the world almost felt like they were going in a very whimsical direction which for what the story was they're trying to tell they're going to the dark elves it's it, it makes sense it just wasn't i was like ah, i just came off court the god butcher like i was just yeah. all this time in this really dark engaging story of like him hunting them down to now going to this like fairy tales and nah, i'm not feeling that but sometimes the and this is relevant for those of you listening that are filmmakers. This is relevant to TV right now for me. Mm-hmm. And I'll bring that to this. But uh, sometimes with the comic book artists, they, if you feel like whoever's managing that book has the balls to be mm-hmm. like, mm, this is something completely different. Yeah. And it's great. And that's what I prefer instead of either like the cheap, like the fucking dollar store version of an artist that comes in and tries to bang the thing out. Yeah. Or the artist that isn't quite Jim Lee and like, like his proportions are weird Mm -hmm. and it just feels like a cheaper version of it and i think back to wildcats and i don't know if you guys listening remember reading the wildcats from the 90s but they replaced i think they replaced jim lee or someone in the intro with travis cherist i don't know if you remember who travis cherist is no his work is so fucking good let me see if i can look for look this up there's nothing better than listening to mike search the internet (laughs) um hold on travis Cherist artist. I feel, I feel like Bill Burr when I'm typing on the internet. <laughs> is, he, is he handpack or something? Yeah, he does. He also like. He, oh, that's really cool. So. It was like a little neo-futurism kind of going on. Yeah, man. Um, Wildcats. And I know that there are some like comic book nerds that are going, yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, the cool thing too, when you get invested in a, spe- a specific artist that you like, it's in the way that they draw the emotion of those specific characters too right like there's going to be a way that jim lee will draw wolverine's emotion that you get so caught up in that that when it changes it feels like wolverine's been recast or something you go this doesn't feel right yeah that's not how he gets surprised that's not how he looks when he gets angry you know but there's something interesting about it too so like if you look at what i love about travis cheris stuff that's a cool ass photo he brings this level of reality which is completely different from Jim Lee's Wildcats, um, which is like this, almost the Michael Bay version of what Wildcats are. So yeah. like you look at his his positioning, which is... <laughs> Jim Lee kills because the proportions are always so extravagant. Yeah. And then you look at the difference between him and Travis Cherist. That's and, nice. And it's such a wildly different jump between the two. But this brought something new. There was I kind of like Cher's, Cher's right. uh, version of it more. Something about it feels a little more grounded, a little more accessible. And so I think where this is relevant when, it, when you talk about filmmaking, I noticed this on TV series. So like you'll have a TV series startup that is like um, Sam Raimi going to do Ash versus Evil Dead. And you're like, fuck, yeah. I would like to watch a whole TV show, mm-hmm. Ash versus Evil Dead. And then you just realize that Sam's only done like the first two episodes of it. Yeah. And then they have this talented round of TV directors that are doing everything. Like they'll, mm-hmm. they'll come on and day play on Walking Dead. They'll come on a day play on anything else. And they come in and they try to draw the characters yep. to the same way. That same Sam thing Raimi with does. Peacemaker. Uh, where the agen- There was an episode, I think it was maybe like the third or second episode, where yes. I realized that it's, it wasn't Gunn. Yes. I was like, wait, what? 
And I went back to look at the last one. I'm like, yeah, that last one did feel a little different. And in that little window where it's not him doing his thing, it's nothing against those other artists that are directing or shooting or writing those stories. It's think you've been given this world of such a specific way mm-hmm. and there's such a specific voice that now going into it, when it changes, you're like, I don't know, that doesn't feel right. Like something in there feels weird. Mm-hmm. The, like the tone is wrong. The tone is off, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's distracting at a point, but I think that's why they bring him back in later on, you know, to, to finish it up. And then next yeah. season, supposedly he's, he's doing the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, you know, you've created this thing. You got the audience now wants to stay in that feeling. Yeah. And I get it because it's probably really difficult to run a TV show and do all the episodes and do all that stuff at the same time. It's a, it's a grueling fucking schedule. Yeah. I get, I get that whole thing, but I thought it was just fascinating. I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but we were talking about the Batman, the Batman. Yeah. And so I, I think the relevant there relevance there is that this new Batman's being drawn by a new artist. Mm-hmm. And this new artist feels very familiar. Like the stuff he's doing feels very familiar. As yeah. opposed to like Christopher Nolan is more Travis Cherist to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And I think the new guy, what's his name? Uh, Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves, yeah. I think he's more he's more Jim not like Jim Lee, if I had to compare super nerdy right now if i had to compare uh artists jim lee would be zach snyder so oh yeah zach yeah. snyder is like yeah. the jim lee vibe for sure but uh matt reeves is more of like a brett booth or someone weird in between mm-hmm. and so as i'm saying this to you comic book nerds i don't know if you guys agree with me on this uh when you watch the movie it feels really great but it doesn't feel the same sort of uh innovation that yeah, I do give him. I do give him a lot of love for having some iconic visual moments. Oh, for sure. There are definitely some moments in there, um, like the flare shot. Mm-hmm. That one really sticks out because it, it, that's when it feels like, oh, these are like the panels. Mm-hmm. Like, but that shot in particular, um, and then there's one where he's in the muddy suit. Like th- those images just stick out to me. I go, oh man, like mm-hmm. that. That feels like I'm the little kid holding the book, flipping through. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go to the comic book shop, you're like, you can't read, so you just like kind of like browsing real quick looking for the panel that just mm-hmm. goes, oh yeah, I got to fucking see how we get to that part. Mm-hmm. I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Even now when I buy comic books, I yeah. read it two or three times. First time I just flipped through it. Do you, so do you buy them before you read or do you like, cause like I like to go online and read them. God, this is, I'm going to get massacred for this probably, but I like to go online and read them. And then if I really fuck with the book, then I go, yeah, now I'll go buy the book. Cause they're not fucking cheap, man. They're not cheap. And also I want to buy the omnibus. Like I want to buy the whole. Sure. 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 Know? I'm just making sure we're not like, you know, getting ourselves in trouble. They're not cheap, but at the same token, they're two different vibes for me. Like I will read books. I will subscribe to an online service and read books online. Uh, if there's a, an ass load of issues mm-hmm. that I've missed that mm-hmm. I, that has art in it that I really, I'm not interested in, but I want to yeah. get whatever that storyline is. Yeah. So I'll go through like 40, 50 issues of like what I wouldn't consider buyable artwork. Yeah. To the point where, like like I said, with the Batman run that I just did, the guy that was drawing these issues felt like, there were a couple of different people doing it, but it felt like they were ripping on a couple of different artists. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't afford to get Jim Lee to do it, or they couldn't afford to yeah. get one of these other guys to do it. So these dudes that kind of do it their way with a little flair mm-hmm. came in. And obviously, I wasn't interested enough going to the comic book store for the since 2017 that yeah. I never picked up one of those issues. Right. So I never walked by Batman and went, mm, "This is fascinating." Yeah. I picked it up. And so the only reason I went through those issues recently was I was like, ah, "It's been a while since I've read Batman. Let me just yeah. trash through them." 
So then I'll do them online. I'll do that game mm -hmm. with them online. But but the tradition, which I haven't done in a while, but the tradition of going to the comic book store. Wednesday, right? Yeah. yeah. Comic book day. I love that. And you go in, you look at the wall, and you're just looking oh, for yeah. the art that like really jumps out to you. Mm -hmm. And they know this. They hire specific artists to do covers. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes I'm looking for who's familiar to me. And I'm like, oh, Jim Lee's drawing this weird book or... Yeah, Todd McFarlane's doing a cover for this, or like yeah. there are a lot of these new artists like Lenal You and all these guys that are doing really good shit right you now. Yeah, a great place to find some um, some good like collections. Or if you like, if you like me, I again like like the omnibus because like if, if it's some story I'm interested in, I want to be able to like get all of it. It's, it's all right here. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of comic book shops will still sell the omnibus, but if surprisingly, Barnes and Noble is a really good collection of that kind of shit. Like every time I've gone in there, I always end up in that section. Like I'll go to buy a specific novel, but I'm always going to walk back by the comic book section. Like, let's just see. Like, and it feels like going into Marshall's for me. I'm like, if I go in here and go to that section, I'm going to fucking find something. Something is going to stick out and go, ah, I can spend that 30 bucks. <laughs> you know, they get me every time. Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, it's, it, I sort of traded comic book buying with vinyl biting for a while. So like mm. I was deep in the vinyl thing and I haven't gone to the comic book shops yet. But I keep my eye on it online. Like I'll look yeah. around and see what's coming out. But there hasn't been a lot of stuff that's coming out that I'm like, yeah, yeah, fuck, I'm excited about that. A lot of times now, what ends up happening too is whenever they announce a movie or yes. there's some new thing getting talked about, then I'll go, okay, let me go check that out because I don't know anything about that. I just read um, Superior's uh, Superior Iron Man. Mm -hmm. I think that's it, right? That's it, mm -hmm. Superior Iron Man. Mm -hmm. So I read that one, really good, uh, but shoot, super short. I ended up like it was like only nine issues, and that was it. Who's the superior? Who's the superior Iron Man? Is it still Tony? It's Stark? It's still Tony Stark, but it's after the events of the uh, Axis Avengers and X Men storyline. Uh -huh. So everyone gets like you know, there's that psionic blast thing from Red Skull, kind of rattles everybody. Everyone gets their shit back together fine, except Tony Stark. He kind of feels like, well, wait a minute. I'm just seeing this now for the first time and he feels like he's almost like a god amongst humans so he's like I'm not gonna I'm not doing this shit like this anymore I want to do it how I want to do it and uh, everyone else can either get in line or get the fuck out and he it's 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 really interesting the way he outsmarts everybody and, and runs it but they take it only to a certain point where I feel like oh we're just now like it's getting really good now and then that's the end I'm like what yeah I hate that shit too. supposedly um, there's another in the later issues of the Illuminati series, they're, they get back into the... Um, I feel like I'm not saying this right. It's not Superior Iron Man. What the fuck is it? Because I know that there was a Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, that's. I think I'm getting the name mixed up. Where's my phone? It's You plugged it. Oh, fuck it. Let's do this. Because like, I've fallen way off the way. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone into this world of comic book nerdery that either people are like, we love this, or people are like, okay, dude. Oh, I can. Fast forward, fast forward. Scrub, scrub, scrub. All right. So what I'm going to do now is let's take a break. We're going to do some ad reads. If you need to take a piss or anything, you can get yeah. up. Um, and then we'll come back, and I want to do what we were coming here to do. And to Great. Begin with. All right. So hold on. We're going to do some ad reads. You can do your thing. All right, guys. It is time to show a little love to the sponsors, the men and women that make this show possible. Um, and then uh, stick around because I want to get into uh, what the title of this episode is. Um, and we'll get into that after these reads. But first up, I want to give a shout out to our good friends over at Puget Systems. If you are in the marketplace, 
to buy a brand new computer. If you need a new edit system, if you're a video editor, maybe you're a music uh, producer, graphic designer, and the machine that you have just isn't doing it. Uh, or more importantly, maybe you're someone that is running a post-production facility because there's a lot of you listening right now. Uh, maybe you have a bunch of different edit bays. Maybe you've opened up a post house or you're someone that's been running a post house for a while and you've realized that it's time to upgrade. There's a whole lot of reasons to have to upgrade. There's a whole lot of reasons to need really great horsepower. And most importantly, if you're someone that owns a company, you need good customer support. You need good tech support. I don't mean like tech support where you text somebody and the a computer gets back to you and runs you through a series of fucking annoying questions, right? Frequently asked questions. I hate that section on websites. I need someone to talk to that I can explain my problem because most of the time when we have trouble with gear, it's a very personal problem, right? Something that we're doing. We're pushing the limits of this gear. Hey, I'm trying to bring in this outdated footage. Why do I get crashes and why is this happening? That's how I found Puget Systems. Puget Systems is the place to go for custom-built PCs for our marketplace. They build PCs for all sorts of different marketplaces out there, but they've had such a hyper-focus over the past few years on building stuff for filmmakers, building stuff for editors, graphic artists, uh, 3D artists, virtual production folks. Um, it is the place to go. And if you're someone that wants to build your own, or if you just want to do some research on what's happening and what's new, these guys share everything that they test because they benchmark test all this hardware. They put it through the paces on all the software that we run. So they put all that information up on their website. So head on over to PugetSystems.com. Click the link in the description of this episode. Let them know that I sent you over there and start to plan your next computer because we all know you're going to have to buy something new. With all the advancements in the technology that's happening right now, camera gear, new codecs, now we're pushing into fucking 10K, 8K. You're going to need something new. Buy a system that can be upgraded. Work with people that care about what you make, what you do. Isn't that cool? Do you remember when that used to happen all the time? <sighs> I love it too. Uh, also, supporting the show, friends over at Jambox. Jambox.io. The place to go for licensed music. One of the biggest issues that we all have as content creators is that we want to be able to play exciting music, music that gets the audience engaged, gets the audience pumped. Um, and, you know, how many people out there don't understand how copyright works, which is crazy to me. You can't just take a Kanye track and lay it underneath your podcast. You can't just take uh, an M83 track and put it underneath your new short film. There's music licensing involved, and I fully support that. I think that artists should get paid for their work. I think that uh, there's a value that's put to work. That's what we talk about on the show all the time. Why not go to a place that works with artists, pays artists well, designs tracks that are available to you for like a, either subscription cost or for uh, pay per song cost, um, that sound great. Like right now, right now I'm playing Tonks from Jambox. Sounds good, right? Very emotional. 
And what's great about this song, this isn't the actual track. This is one of the stems. So what you're listening to now, and I chose this one specifically because it works underneath my voice on the show. This is the song without the percussion, and this is the song without the vocals. So it's just got the synth. which is very useful. All these are available to you if you head on over to Jambox. Jambox.io, they have all sorts of different subscription plans depending upon what your needs are. So let's say that you're just someone that is creating YouTube com content. Maybe you're doing podcasts, anything that you're not being paid for by a client, a client's not making money on it basically. Um, you can be an unlimited creator for $9.99 a month. There's a 30 day free trial. You get full access to all music, unlimited downloads, and this could be used for social media, web streaming, personal student projects, film festivals, and there's an annual commitment of $119.88. If you're someone that is doing commercials, corporate stuff, wedding videos, $19.99 a month. This gives you access to everything from the creator program, plus access to their sound effects and the stems, like I was talking about. If you saw the Robert Pattinson video that I just posted last week that Gina directed and I edited, we used music from Jambox. So we actually found that really great opera stuff from Jambox to use for that. And if you're listening to this and you're a student, they have a great student package for six bucks a month. Six bucks a month, which gives you the unlimited commercial access. Really great. Lastly, if you're someone that is tired of doing subscription plans and you just want to do per song, maybe there's a song on here that you love that you want to use as a theme song for your podcast, um, you can do single song licensing for personal and YouTube only starting at like 20 bucks per song. Not bad, dude. I'm telling you right now, head on over to Jambox, click the link in the description of this episode and just listen to their content which is a very smart thing to do if you're a creator out there. Listen to the music that's available to you. You understand how much it costs, you understand what the price of it is, and then you can start building a piece around a track that you know you can get your hands on, which is awesome because your visuals will seem better, your timing and your pacing will, be, uh, will seem better, and you're not setting uh, unrealistic expectations by temp tracking in uh, Kanye's huge song. You know what I'm saying? So head on over to jambox.io, check it out. I'm telling you, it is going to change the quality of your work today. If you do it, sign up, get one of these free trials. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you're as excited about it as I am. Hit me up on uh, Instagram, send me a message and tell me what you think about working with Jambox. All right, and then uh, let's see who else is supporting the show. Also supporting the show is our friends over at Vidafair. Head on over to vidafair.com and stream your work. You can set a price for your work. So you can actually set a fee uh, for your films and your content and host it on Vidafair. And I know that's such a dangerous thing to say. I don't know when it became taboo for us to charge for our work. Why do we think that our short films should be put online for free? Why do we think all of our content should be put up there for free? I mean, I'm fully transparent with you cats. I'm not charging you for the episodes of this show because I'm making money off the sponsors. That's how I can keep this for free with you. But if that wasn't the case, you bet your ass I'd be charging you per episode to listen to the show. 
I went through the hard legwork to make sure that I didn't have to charge you. But there's going to hit a point where all the older episodes, once we cross 200, all the older episodes are going to go behind a payroll. And why am I doing that? Because there's a lot of hard costs. Take, ask yourself some serious questions. How much did it cost you to film your short piece? How much time did it cost you? Did you have to front for gear? Did you have to buy props? Did you have to pay actors? We're just supposed to eat that stuff. Why is that part of the culture? Why are the filmmakers supposed to eat all that cost and then we just hand it out to the audience for free? And it's not like the audience doesn't buy things. We're like the biggest buy culture right now where audiences are signing up for subscription services consistently. Audiences are paying for like, I know that Gina stays up late every night and gets lost on Amazon. Next thing you know, we got five, 12 packages on the front doorstep of stuff that she bought frivolously. So like there's a whole, there's a whole generation doing that stuff right now. So ask yourself this question, is my work worth charging for? Then ask yourself a second question. Will my fans pay for it? Ask them. Do a post. Hey guys, I'm thinking about doing a new piece and I'm going to charge you for it. What would you pay? And, you know, it's a humbling moment where if the folks that follow you may sit there and go, I give you like, you know, 50 cents for a piece, right? And you can always tell them to go fuck themselves and still charge them whatever you want to charge them for. But then you'd be super surprised. I've had people write to me and say, look, can we pay to see 12KM? I'm not even offering to offer it up for pay services. And the people will write to me and they'll go, can you pay? And I ask the question, what would you pay for it? 20 bucks, 30 bucks to see a short. So you never fucking know. Think about this. And I, I know this ad read isn't specifically Vitafair, but it's important to get to the point where we start to understand that our work has value and time has value and your voice has value. And when you've got to that point, go check out Vitafair because they have a really great service for us filmmakers, us content creators. I think it's just a one-time price for an upload for a year. They're not charging you if you jack up your rates for your audience. Uh, they're not charging you per click. It's really great. They're also doing a film festival on here as well, which they want me to promote. Let me just read it here. The Vitafair Film Festival is dedicated to both excellent storytelling and film monetization. The principle of the festival is simple. Monetizing creative work isn't greed, it's fairness. And if our artistic painters are free to set the prices for the work, why shouldn't filmmakers? Modern streaming technology allows just that. Monetization meth methods are the new age and they deserve to be promoted and celebrated. So head on over to vitafair.com, check it out. Sign up for their film festival. Uh, they're doing a lot of promotions on that. Uh, submit your pieces to it. I think these guys are great. I've had Bob on the show who runs it over there. Go back and listen to our episode. Go to vitafair.com. That is V-I-D-A-F-A-I-R.com. All right. Let me uh, lead out with a little music here. Okay, so Lance is back. Hello. How was the bathroom? Hello, children. It was fine. Everything came out all right. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite question to ask people coming out of the bathroom. Everything come out all right? Yeah. No one ever knows what to do with it. <laughs> Doesn't get you invited back to Chili's, though. <laughs> 
All right. So um, the real reason I wanted to have you on the show mm-hmm. was uh, uh, I've talked a little bit about it on prior episodes, but I really haven't gone into it deep. You know about my obsession with food. Yes. You know about uh, the parallels that I continuously try to draw between filmmaking and being a chef and being a director. Um, And so I I was sitting around thinking about this because I've said it quite a few times, but I don't think it really registered with me. But my favorite, so if if, if making a a meal is like making a film, Mm -hmm. my favorite, most impactful film to make, meal to make, is a sandwich. Oh, shit. Yeah. So sandwiches to me are the most creative, potentially creative outlets that you can tell a story within. Uh, they don't require years of French culinary experience and training, um, but they could. Like you yeah. could integrate that stuff. Uh, there's always something new to learn about either ingredients or breads. Mm-hmm. There are so many different ways to be creative about it. Yeah. And if you have somebody over, or if you're going to try to impress someone, let's say that you have a girl over, a guy over, mm-hmm. and you're like, I want to, you know, this is my future wife here, man. Mm. And so you want to impress this wife, you can make the right kind of sandwich. You really could. You, you can make the right kind of sandwich that would do that. So um, I've been asking a lot of people off air this question, and I think it's, I think it's powerful enough. Well, actually, I know it's powerful enough because I've also powerful. Been, I've also been asking guests on the show about this. So um, this is a segment that I've already been in production on, guys. Yeah. Just to give you full transparency, <laughs> <laughs> You're just totally blowing up my own setup. But, <laughs> but uh, so anyway, let me pretend like I didn't say that. And so I think that this is something that would be powerful enough, yeah, um, to actually do a segment on. Okay, and so. Let me say this. Let me ask you. We'll start a new segment. I'm going to call it Love Sandwich. Mm -hmm. All right? So it's going to be Love Sandwich. And uh, let me ask you, with the setup that I did, understanding that a sandwich is the ultimate way to show love for somebody, Mm -hmm. right? Like uh, if you're casting, let's say that you're, like if I'm casting a movie with strangers and people that I don't know, I'm going to bring them over to the house. I'm going to have them, I'm going to make them food. Right. Most likely it's going to be a lunch move. Most yeah. likely, I'll make them a sandwich. Right? right on. So let me ask you, if you were trying to impress, two questions. If you were trying to impress a lady, mm-hmm. right, what would the, what would you make her for a sandwich? Be frank. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. You be, it's been, I thought you said be frank. I did. And you said be frank. No, I thought you said I'm going to be frank about this. No. But you said be well, frank. Well, I was being frank. <laughs> Sorry, I, that, that's not my answer, but I just, I, I've been thinking about it this whole time you were talking. You saw me trying not to laugh earlier. I, I, I was like, I, was like, what uh, I want to say this so bad. All right. All right. Um, okay. So, but it, it, um, you know, ask me the second question because I feel like it, it, I might answer both of the same thing. Okay. Well, the first one was like, what would you make? Uh, let's start a different way. Mm-hmm. Is there a sandwich in your history? Is there a sandwich from your childhood? Yep. Oh, yeah. That you remember right now that it affects you emotionally. Oh, yeah. So uh, Thanksgiving is always really big in our family um, because our family kind of lives in like different states, like Virginia and uh, New York, 
Florida. So Thanksgiving was always big because that's when like everyone got together. We would have family reunions from time to time, but after a while that stops being a thing. And so the holidays were sort of just, this is when we do family reunion. And there hit a point where that even slowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always made, mom and dad always made a big deal out of it just in our household, even if it was just us. And there was this place in uh, just outside Rodney Village in Delaware uh, called Curtis Landing. It was like a little shopping plaza. And I remember going there all the time with my dad in his truck. He like a GMC Sierra black with like the silver on the bottom. We used to go over and he would go into Curtis Landing. And I remember Curtis Landing so specifically because there was always pizza that we would get there and they had the mashed potato pizza with the bacon. <laughs> I never heard of this before. Weird. But I remember thinking again, like mashed potatoes, Thanksgiving, like the emotional title. I'm like, well, this has to be good. Mm-hmm. And we got it, tried it, fucking loved it. So now I'm like, what else is at this place that puts mashed potato on pizza and actually makes it good? Mm-hmm. And so my dad takes me and they would only do this around Thanksgiving. So I think like just like the tail end of November. It wasn't even like all of November. All right. So already it's special. This is Yeah. You don't, you don't get it all year. It's just okay. like this two weeks at the end of November. And then once December hits, that's it. Okay. So it was, uh, I forget what they called it, but basically it was, uh, you get your, your foot long and it was turkey, cranberry. There was some green they put on there. Uh, God, what else did they have? Was it like a, like a Thanksgiving stuffing kind of sandwich? Yes. Stuffing as well. Yeah. And it was just so fucking good. And I remember like my dad getting it when he first told me about it. I'm like, ew, that sounds gross. Like, I don't know if I want to eat Thanksgiving smashed between two pieces of bread. This seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not really any different. You're putting all those flavors in your mouth and chewing them up at once anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what just, a romantic way <laughs> to say that, but yeah, okay. So he, he, uh, he asked me to try it and it blows my mind because it's also, I think I'm probably like middle school at this point. Like my mom cooks good, but it was the first time that I'd ever eaten some or eaten something that had all these different flavors where they were very distinct still. Yeah, it's like cranberry sauce. Yeah, like yeah. The stuffing had its thing, you know, the turkey had its thing with the little Salty gravy. And like sweet. Yeah, it was yeah. just it was something about it was so special. And I remember my dad <laughs> got to the point where like when that time of year would come, he'd be like, up oh, in the truck. He does this like little point and we go and we would go to we knew we were going to Curse Land to get the sandwich. And it was one of those things where like you kind of had to catch dad in a good mood so you could get some of the sandwich because he <laughs> knows I'm only going to buy one because I don't want to be a dick to the guys in here who can only make so many of them. Every other people want to try it too. Those other people just aren't my children. <laughs> and so you're like the whole time you're like ah, pop. Let me just nope. Maybe you'll get a job, get some money, get your own money. And then you can <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? It's only going to happen once a year. And he's like, exactly. That's why I'm not sharing it. <laughs> Uh, but it, it was just such a great sandwich, man. It was such a good sandwich. And I think if I were to make that's if I were to make a sandwich for people out here, friends out here, um, especially around the holidays, especially when it's like, if you don't have anyone to celebrate with, you're not around a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is the point of cooking the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do that. If it's like just you or just you, and like one other right, person, you're gonna make all those ingredients. Yeah. All yeah. that shit. And then you have all this leftover and it's probably going to go bad. And, so I would do that. I would make that sandwich. I would find out specifically what everything was that they put in that. And I would make that sandwich for somebody. So at least in that sandwich, when they have it, even though they're alone, they don't have family and friends for the holidays, it's like you would get that experience in that sandwich. That's that's really nice because it comes with, see, what I like about your story is like all your memories of your dad mm-hmm. and like how your dad was reacting. And yeah. that's what's so interesting about food in general. But sandwiches, for some reason, sandwiches have like this real emotional connection. Yeah. I think with our childhood, because when you're kids... Your parents at one point or another are giving you a fucking sandwich. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. And, you know, depending upon whether or not your mom cut the crust off, whether or not you, mm. whatever those sort of weird sort of techniques were, really affects how you eat your yeah. sandwiches as an adult. Do you like crispy bread? Do you like yeah. soft bread? Maybe you like a mix? Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt like kids that had their crust cut off were sissies. Yes. I was like, oh, that kid's a punk ass. <laughs> you can't have it. You can't handle a little crust. <laughs> we're, we're losing, it's the dumbest. It's the dumbest thought, but <laughs> we're losing a whole demographic of decrusters, right? Yeah. Now. They're like, ah, oh God, these guys had me until this point. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I get it. And, and maybe there's this sense of like tradition and technique that's involved with your mom cutting off all the crusts, especially if they're mm-hmm. making a sandwich for you. I mean, there's no surprise that, the end of, of Kill Bill ended with Bill making her a sandwich. And cutting the crust off. And doing yeah. that whole process. And and the same level of intimacy that happens uh, with any sort of meal, uh, especially like sandwich making. You know what I like about sandwich making is that unlike making like, um, you know, like cooking a steak or uh, or doing like a big sauce or something like that, most people's stoves are pointed to the wall. Mm-hmm. So you go into the kitchen and you're facing the fucking wall. Mm-hmm. And so I like to have people in the kitchen, as you know, I like to have mm-hmm. people in the kitchen while I'm working and cooking stuff. But when you hit the stove, you're not really looking at those other people. Yeah. The thing I like about sandwich stuff is that if you have like an island in the middle of the space, maybe you mm-hmm. just have a kitchen table, you just start laying out those ingredients. Yeah. And so then that person that's there, your captive audience, you got to, you start to tell a story. Mm-hmm. I am convinced because a lot of folks that are listening to this right now may say, look, I don't have technical skills in the kitchen. I don't know how That's to, the best part of the sandwich. I don't know how to make the turkey and I don't know how to make the stuffing. I don't know mm-hmm. how to make all that stuff. This is what's so great about sandwiches. You can make an epic, epic peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which oh, yeah. is peanut butter, jelly, and bread. And you can you can put so much love Mm-hmm. into the technique of that sandwich yeah you know like were yeah. you the one that told me to put mint on it oh yeah okay. yeah i could walk you through that i think i think you had me try one time that shit was really good okay i can walk you through the most so there are two ways to go here mm-hmm. i can't get too excited mike stay with stay with it mike stay with it. <laughs> stomach start growling <laughs> so okay so basic peanut butter and jelly sandwich right you get your peanut butter, you get your jelly, you get your sandwich. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of folks that are like, I like crunchy peanut butter, I like smooth peanut butter, whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. If you invite me over, and there are a lot of people that are intimidated to cook food for people that cook food, mm-hmm. right? And people are always saying to me, like, I don't know if I can cook for you. I don't know if I can cook as well. Fuck you. If you make me yeah. a peanut butter jelly sandwich, I will love you for it. Mm-hmm. And if you just spend that time. Like, I remember the first time I had a peanut butter jelly sandwich made uh, by my mom's mom, my grandmother. And I sat there and she was talking to me and she had that voice. She had that resonant in her voice. Mm-hmm. She was very like old Hitchcock type woman like that from that oh. time period. And she was just like, okay. And she would talk me through it. She's like, so when I make the sandwich, I'm going to take the peanut butter and you just take your time and you spread it to every end evenly. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, well, what's the big deal on that? It makes all the sense of the world. Every yeah. bite at that point has consistency. Mm-hmm. Then you take the jam and you spread it on the other piece of bread. You spread it to each corner individually. Mm-hmm. And the long process of it. And then putting those two pieces together, they fit together perfectly and they're just mm-hmm. this little bit. So as you're doing it, you're just, it's almost like you're being hypnotized by this process. Yeah. And she, maybe if you're someone that needs your crust cut off, then maybe you cut off the crust and then go from there <laughs> and you, you serve it up. 
So when you're eating it, you're not just getting like the jiffy, you're not just getting the smuckers or whatever the fucking jam is. You're getting the love mm -hmm. and it tastes better. Mm -hmm. You can use those same fucking ingredients on a shitty day where you're like, I got no food in the kitchen. I got nothing going on. You can open up the refrigerator and slap those things on fucking bread. Yeah. And it's not going to taste as good. Rock and roll. As that. No. So in its core element, that is what's wonderful about love sandwiches. Now, if you want to make an epic peanut butter and jelly sandwich, mm -hmm. this is something I, I don't know, I got nerdy about it. So here's my process. I like to use, it depends. Maybe sometimes it's white breads. Maybe sometimes it's like a really dense, like wheat bread, right? Mm -hmm. I freeze my bread. Now, before people go, ew, I freeze my bread for this reason. Yeah. Put it in the freezer. You're ready to make your sandwich. You take it out. Two pieces are frozen. You put them on the plate. Between the period of when you start this and you finish this, they're going to be thawed out. But what's useful about spreading on frozen bread is that a lot of peanut butter is sticky. A lot of peanut butter pulls. Mm -hmm. So it's super easy to be incredibly precise about your spreading because the bread's not going to shift or pull or do anything because ah. it's frozen. So then I'll do um, a smooth peanut butter most of the time. So I'll spread the smooth peanut butter all over the bread mm -hmm. to all the corners, all that kind of stuff. Then when I was back in Boston, and I think you can get it in other places, they used to sell uh, peanuts. So you can get peanuts that were seasoned. So like spicy peanuts. Ooh. So you get like... Uh, I was going to ask if you ever messed with like any spicy jam or marmalade. So okay, go ahead. So peanuts. So they're dusted in like spices and seasoned seasoning. Yeah. Take a bunch of those peanuts, you roll them in like a napkin, or you put them in a bag, zippy bag, and you smash them down. Mm -hmm. So now you have your crunch. So instead mm -hmm. of getting the crunch from like a crunchy peanut butter... Now I'm seasoning it Ooh. with the peanuts, right? And then the jam you can do, I have like an affinity for like cheap jam. I really like cheap jam. I like expensive jams, but maybe it's like a strawberry or raspberry. You spread that on the other side. Then the move is if you have one of the Asian shops around, like, um, uh, like H Mart or one of those places, go in there yeah. and get Thai basil. Thai basil, okay. So if you order pho, yeah. Normally, when they give you the, all the, the additions, which are like the sprouts, yep. you get the Thai basil. Mm -hmm. and the thing that's great about Thai basil is that it's basil-y and minty in one, mm. which is nice. If you can't get your hands on Thai basil, get your hands on mint, yeah. fresh mint, then dice it. Dice it super thin, paper, paper thin, and dice it up so that way when you bite into it, it's not pulling out a leaf. Yeah. It's just little pieces. Right. Sprinkle that on the peanut butter. Now, by the time you're finished with all this, the bread will be thawed out, and then you put it together, and you have one of the most amazing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I feel like it would be cool to try that, and then, um, like, I don't know what you would put in the pan for oil, but something, and, like, and just, like, hit each side. Oh, yeah, be amazing. Oh, I mean, if you want that Just heat. to have that crisp. Yeah. Yeah, and that heat. Oh, I feel like that would be good. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm going to do that shit tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, like love sandwich, motherfucker, PB and J. PB and J. And what's great about it is that if I'm going to impress somebody, mm -hmm. that's a great way to impress them because it's yeah. this weird process. So if I had a date, I would totally do that. Yeah. Because she'd be like, weird. The next time I have a girl over and I, I'm cooking for her, I'm going to make PB and J. And I'll let you know if she leaves after I tell her what I'm making. <laughs> I guarantee you <laughs> the bravado on me right now. I guarantee you. Yeah. 
I feel like I'm selling like stain removal products on late night TV. I guarantee you <laughs> that if you make that kind of PB&J sandwich with that kind of ritual and you go through that process of it, yeah. unless she's allergic to peanuts or unless there's some sort of like yeah, I want kill her. weird aversion by it, right? she's going to be fascinated by it. And the level and heat can be fascinated by it. Whoever it is that you're impressing, the level of that detail mm -hmm. that goes into that, that's like a really smart short film. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Because you're taking like a really good, a, a smart genre short film. Because mm -hmm. you're taking a genre that everybody knows, peanut butter mm -hmm. and jelly. Yep. And most people that make peanut butter and jelly for themselves, it's a passing thing. Yeah. Most people. You slap it together and move on. You're like, I, what do I got in here? I bought some peanut butter, but I got some jam. I got some mm -hmm. jam. Good to go. Yeah. Finished up. Oh, now I'm thinking about marmalades and jams now. You could. Like what difference? Because I really like the, uh, what's that one? Apricot? Yeah. Apricot's a nice flavor. I like that one. I feel like with the spice, it'd be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Because the, there's something about it. I think if you have, just go grape jelly, it's like, nah, it's fine. But I think mixing it up a little bit might be interesting. I love mixing it up, but I was trying to keep it at the level yeah. where most folks have stuff. Fair, fair. We, we, this, is, this leads me to another interesting point as we talk about sandwiches and we talk about this process. And if you guys haven't figured out the parallels between filmmaking, then pay more attention. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So I talk on this show about your toolbox, mm -hmm. all these these techniques that you mm -hmm. need to have at your disposal when you finally get the opportunity to make a film. Yeah. The same thing with the kitchen. So uh, it's all about what you put in your cupboard. It's all about what you have that lasts long periods of time. Yeah. So preservatives and jams, those are the type of things that you buy when you have a little extra money and you leave them in your cabinets because you know they're going to last. Right. And you know that there's going to be some night that you didn't go grocery shopping or maybe you haven't been paid uh -huh. on your last gig and you're fucking stretching yourself out and those things are always there to hold you up. Uh -huh. Yeah, the great thing about freezing your bread is that it lasts fucking longer. Uh -huh. It doesn't go bad on the counter. It doesn't go through that whole process. Um, so this leads me into my other form. And I asked Gina before we recorded this episode and I was like, which one of my sandwiches do you think I should talk about on the show? Which one do you think is the uh -huh. love sandwich thing? Uh, breakfast sandwiches. Breakfast mm. sandwiches are my favorite. Really? Yeah. Breakfast is a really fun one to get into yeah. when you're cooking. Well, because look at it two ways, right? Mm -hmm. If you have guests, mm -hmm. you either have people that are staying at your house mm -hmm. because they're that close to you, right? Yeah. So that they've spent the night, they're with you in that period of time. So that closeness means that you're going to be making something that's really great. Yeah. Or... Maybe you had someone that spent the night with you and you guys have had some sort of emotional connection and maybe some sort of physically emotional connection. Wow, you're working your way through this. Yeah, yeah. So then there is a good connection. I love the idea of like getting up earlier, being up before anybody else. There's nothing better than oh, yeah, that's the best. waking up in the morning and smelling mm -hmm. coffee, waking up in the morning and smelling food or hearing prep. Yeah. It brings me back to like when my dad would prep on the weekends and you'd hear the the pots and the pans and the dishes and the shit start mm -hmm. to move downstairs and you go, oh, this guy's going to make something today. Yeah. That's nice. It's like, it's like, you know. Uh, it's some atmospheric, man. Like I remember my mother used to make, so in Delaware, we don't, uh, we have bacon, but in Delaware, the, the main meat for breakfast is scrapple. You ever had oh, scrapple before? I've, never, I've heard of it, but I've never had it. Scrapple is so fucking good. What is scrapple? It's so good that I hated bacon until probably college when I left Delaware and now there was no more scrapple. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll do this. I just thought it was like bacon's greasy. It's gross. It's like 
thin and brittle. Come on, man. You get scrapple. It's essentially um, like a meatloaf, uh, <laughs> and you will cut a piece off of it, like cut a slice off, and then you would fry that on either side, and you put that in with your egg sandwich. Is, and it, like a, is it like pork or is it beef? Pork. Oh, yeah, and it's like it. like a spice meatloaf, like a spice loaf. So like a is like a fancier spam kind of thing. I guess you could say that. Yeah, I like how that sounds. <laughs> I like feeling like there's something fancy from Delaware. Okay, <laughs> I dig it, man. I dig the shit. Yeah, out of that. Uh, but my mom when she would make it, and you wake up in the morning. I remember being a kid and smelling it from the upstairs and being like, "Holy shit!" And you yeah. immediately go downstairs and you're just hoping like she's made enough, right? She's made enough for everybody. Yeah, you know. Yeah. The next time I go home, I'll um I'll see if I can get you some. Yeah, please. I mean, yeah. I'm totally I'm totally fascinated. I'm gonna be on the plane with like a small cooler with like the, <laughs> the dry ice coming out. Like, what is that? Scrapple. It's like heart transplant and scrapple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm transporting pig parts. Yeah, please. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the the breakfast sandwiches. I know that seat's uncomfortable. I was just adjusting because my ass was on the edge of it. Yeah, I know. I you got me on the edge of my seat here, Mike, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, so all right. So we're talking about sandwiches, breakfast sandwich stuff. Yeah. So um, one of the things I like about breakfast period mm-hmm. is that uh, as long as you have a couple of like the, the core essentials in your house. Yeah. And for those of you who go grocery shopping, you just make a list of what your core essentials would be. Right. You know, if you're smart and you're out there buying stuff, you know you're going to buy stuff for a specific meal. Mm-hmm. But whenever I go out buying, I also go, well, let me just buy some of these essential ingredients. And it's like having like a set of a prime sitting around your house or having like a camera sitting around your house or mm-hmm. having like an actor in your space. And you mm-hmm. don't know what you're going to work on together, but it's just like I want to have them here because I know at some yeah. point I'm going to make something. Right. And And so a big element for me is obviously eggs. Throw eggs. Everybody oh, yeah. buys eggs. Oh yeah. Leave them in the fridge, right? And then I like to get um, uh, fresh herbs. And yeah. so I'll buy like fresh basil, or I'll mm-hmm. have uh, rosemary. Oh, I love, the, love cooking rosemary stuff. All this stuff just kicking around because I know I'm gonna do something with it. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is I'm gonna do with it, but I'm gonna do something with it. And then the thing that's great about breakfast is most of the time there's leftovers. Like if you're cooking often there's leftovers in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Like after St. Patrick's Day, there's corned beef. I yep. make the most epic corned beef hashes that at one time only ever flavor tastes that you'll ever get because of the meal that I did the night before. Yeah. And because of the combination of that meal that I did the night before, now I'm making a corned beef hash that has never been made before because mm. of what I did the night prior. So I love that vibe. I love going into the to the kitchen, opening the cabinets, and thinking on your toes. Yeah. It's really nice to do. And... If you're framing that within the structure of a breakfast sandwich, you know your boundaries. You know your rules. Right. The shit's got to fit on bread, right? Mm-hmm. The shit's got to fit within these boundaries, which I like. I like that. And so I've worked really hard over the, the years to try to figure out the best kind of breakfast sandwich, right? Yeah. And I've come to a conclusion. Let's put it that way. I've come to a conclusion. So let me walk you through. Best best breakfast sandwich that I make. Get yourself uh, some sort of artisan bread loaf. Mm-hmm. Something that you were using for dinner the night before. Yeah. Whatever it is. Um, I love those terrine breads that they have at, at Whole Foods. So it's like a... it's like a, uh, What's that? It's a whole wheat bread that's uh, got a hard crust on the outside, but then the inside is like really fluffy. It's got a lot of holes in it. 
Mm. Really nice, soft, delicate bread. They have them all the time. Is that like focaccia or? No, it's thicker than that. It's okay. like, it's, um, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what type of loaf of it is. I love the name like of that bread too. Focaccia. Focaccia. It's like, sounds like get the fuck out of here. It's got enough real estate to put shit on it, right? Okay. Let's be real. So it's like an oval shape. It's got enough real estate. You can cut that in half and have two halves of a sandwich that are almost full hand size. Okay. Okay. So then you take that bread. I toast that bread just because I know I'm going to put some shit on it that mm-hmm. needs some sturdiness. Yeah. Throw it in, toast it. Don't over toast it. Throw a layer of toast. Good to go. Throw it on a plate. Mm-hmm. Next up, what am I going to put on this thing for protein? Right? Mm-hmm. So if you made something the night before, maybe you made a steak or maybe you made um, sausages or maybe you had something like that. That's a very easy go-to where you're like, oh, the leftovers and the seasoning of leftovers, yeah. that's my protein. But oftentimes, if I'm just doing breakfast sandwiches, I'll go to the grocery store and buy one of those ham steaks. Have you seen the single-serving ham steaks? No. Okay. So it's usually in the section of the grocery store where you can get um, kielbasa or hot dogs mm-hmm. or whatever, and they'll do little hams. They also have what they call hand steaks, which are just a thick slice through the center of a ham, and they package it up. So okay. Like one slice. Yeah. Super easy. So I get a ham steak, mm-hmm. get some eggs. Um, and then basil's great, rosemary's great, any of these uh, herbs, fresh herbs, whatever you got, sage is great, Yeah. right? And so then what I'll do is take the ham steak, super simple, super fucking simple, throw it in a skillet, little olive oil, and just sear each side of it, just so it gets a little bit of brown on it and warms up that, Ooh, the ham steak. That sounds good. As the ham steak is warming up, mm-hmm. on the bread, two sides of the bread, one side I will put mustard. So oh. I will do like a gray poupon or like a seed mustard. You could even do yellow mustard if that's all mm-hmm. you got. But it's get it's got that vinegar. It's got that bite. Yeah. It's got that edge. That goes on one side of it. Mm-hmm. The other side could be a variety of things depending upon what you have in the refrigerator. If you just have your hands on, maybe you just have Velveeta cheese in the fridge mm-hmm. or something like that. You could put cheese on the second side. You could have even put cheese on that side when you were toasting the bread. Yeah. So that cheese gets toasted. I may have cream cheese in the fridge mm. or have some sort of spreadable, uh, even hummus. Oh, like hummus. that's interesting. So then you put hummus on the other side. You, you have two different sides. That mustard and then some sort of like proteiny thing, which is really nice. Uh, the ham steak gets heated, seared on both sides. I toss it on top of the mustard, right? Yeah. Then I will break off basil, hand tear basil, hair tear and something else, toss it on whatever the other side, the protein side is so that it holds the the stuff. Toss all that on that side. Then, depending upon what your, what your, the way you like your eggs. If you're someone that likes uh, a runny egg, Mm -hmm. I'll do uh, the crispy egg method. Okay. Which, Frank, the chef I've had on the show, he taught me. Yeah, the, 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 uh, a little bit of olive oil and like talked about knowing your burner, right? That's it, man. And yeah. you just take like, you can use a nonstick, but you don't have to use a nonstick. You can use like a standard pan. You crack one egg onto a hot pan and you let it sit and it starts to crisp. And when it's breaking away automatically, when you can actually break that egg off that pan, it's the perfect level of crispness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it what ends up happening is 
the underneath the whites taste like bacon because it's so crispy and so wonderful and, so ah. and then depending upon how runny you like your eggs i like sunny side up i like yeah. them fucking running all over the place yeah so then i'll take that crispy egg oftentimes i'll put like a little cheese on that egg to finish it off mm-hmm. and i'll toss that on top of the ham steak mm. now if you're not somebody who uh doesn't like yolk or maybe you're someone that like my grandfather and like I should be doing because I think I'm allergic to yolk. Um, they like egg whites. You could whip them up. You could do an omelet. So if you do like a real thin French style omelet, yeah. maybe with just like a little scallion, a little green onions, you know, a little bit of cheese on. If you want a little bit of cheese, then you mm. can fold that omelet neatly and stick it on top of that hand steak. Oh, Super simple. That sounds good. Super simple, right? Then um, I like to have in my cupboard different types of peppers different types of salts you know this yes so like uh that lava salt <sighs> lava salts black salt is really great mm-hmm. i have a smoke salt that's in there that's really fucking good oh is it the elder dash mm, maybe yeah that's a great one that's a good one um there's one that's just purely smoke too oh, which okay. is really nice i will toss like a little flavored salt on there and maybe you're not that fancy maybe you haven't prepared your cupboard yet some standard salt you can do some standard salt, yeah whatever uh, toss a little bit of that on there. Then I will toss uh, pepper. So you can either use black pepper or the pink peppercorns, which I love. Love those. They got a nice little sweetness to them. And citrus. I don't know what that is. Uh, is that what that is? Yeah, it's like that oh, weird shit. citrus vibe. Yeah, it's great. Love that stuff. A little bit of pink peppercorns. Toss those over the top of the egg. And if it's the crispy egg, which I would go for, that crispy runny egg, I would then uh, take some green onions you could put them in your omelet, but I slice those green onions up so that they're fresh. Put them on top of the crispy egg. Yeah. And it's good to go. Um, if you want greens in it, maybe you're someone that wants like uh, some mixed greens or um, uh, what is the thin little greens that I'm thinking of? Not alfalfa. Whatever. You can throw some greens on top if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes for a little sweetness, if you have some balsamic vinegar or some sweet balsamic Ooh. vinegar, toss a little bit of that on top. But this is where you get to be flary about your stuff. Right. And like, I'm just rattling off what I know I have in my cupboard, but I have the person that I'm making this sandwich for, right? Like I yeah. start when they're maybe crawling out of bed. They hear me rattling the pots and pans around in the mm-hmm. kitchen. They come in and they sit down on a stool yeah. and then they're watching. And as you pull these ingredients out, you're like, Try the pink peppercorn. Try the try the basil. Yeah, that's you know? how when you, the first time you had made the hash when I was over here one morning, uh, and it blew me away. Like just like watching the process of you making it, it smelled so good. You let me chase, try different seasonings. And literally, like it's it's in the repertoire and the things I like to make for breakfast now. Because and every time I make it for somebody, they're like, oh man, this is so fucking good. I'm like, it's just from that moment. It's from that moment of like waking up in the morning, what smells good, coming mm-hmm. in the kitchen, trying things out, talking about it, mm-hmm. and then going, okay, cool. Now I'm gonna go try to do it. Mm-hmm. And then giving that experience to somebody else, like I think that's essentially that's what you what you do with food. It's like passing history, right? Or or sharing, exchanging culture. Yeah, hundred percent, dude, hundred percent. And that experience. And then what I'm trying to do is the same thing I would try to do with a film. I'm trying to have you relive the first time I had that thing. And if I if I was to explain to you where I had pink peppercorns, it was in a vineyard in Italy, and they were. The ingredient on the best plate of pasta that I've ever had in my entire life. No shit. They were the ingredient on it. And it was the simplest plate of pasta, which was like olive oil, pecorino cheese, rosemary from a bush. And I was eating this thing going like, 
this is so fucking good. And for years I came home and I was like trying to replicate it. I had rosemary, I had olive oil and, and I was like getting imported olive oils. Cause I'm like, maybe the olive oil means something. I was going through the process of trying to figure out how to make this pasta. And I stumbled on pink peppercorn. I, don't, I forget where I had it. And I remember and I took it and I put it in my mouth and I went, that's it. Motherfucker. That's it. Mm. Cause it wasn't listed on the menu. Yeah. At that spot. That was it. It was that fucking ingredient. And so knowing how powerful that ingredient is, not only for my mouth, but also for my memory and that story I just yeah. told you. Yeah. So when I put that ingredient on things now, I'm trying to pass to you that same level of like, mm -hmm. holy shit. Yeah, you want to be transported. Right. You know? It's storytelling. Absolutely. It's fucking storytelling. Especially when you get into meals where like, I think the different bites have a different flavor palette. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or sorry, flavor profile. Because I think it's you get into something really interesting where you're like, oh, here's this, and then we go over here, and then it takes us here. And, and if you come back around, you know, it, it, you feel this whole thing happen. Yeah, dude. It's anyway. So that that breakfast sandwich, right? You got both sides. You fold it over. That egg yolk starts to break. Mm -hmm. It starts to spill out over the edges of that bread. You get yourself that surrogated uh, knife blade. So that way when you cut it, you're not pushing the sandwich and it all falls apart. Yeah. And you just break through that. And those crusts flake off. That crispy egg. And the, That's the stuff. I haven't made you one of these, have I? No. No. You should make one. I should teach you how to make these. Hell yeah. I added my repertoire. Breakfast oh. is my shit. Oh. I think that's... I enjoy cooking, but breakfast is probably the one space where like, I enjoy cooking the most. Yeah. I don't know why. It's like I love the process. Like I don't I like getting up and just eating right away. Yeah. So something in the process of get up, figure out what I want to make, take my time, maybe go to the store, get some things. By the time I'm done cooking, it's like, oh, it's getting close to, like, you know, 10, 30, 11. Like, well, now, yeah, now I kind of feel ready to eat because I wake up like 7, 8 a.m. every day. I don't want to fucking eat right then. I kind of want to just like hang out and just quiet in the house and do my thing. Mm -hmm. But as you go on, you get through the cook and the process and everything, and you're done, and you're like, okay, not only now am I actually hungry, but fuck, I want to eat that too. <sighs> love it, man. So yeah, teach me. I love it, dude. And the thing that's so interesting about it is that for me personally, it checks off a lot of boxes. Mm -hmm. Like I hit a point where I'm like, I've created something. I feel accomplished when I'm done. Yeah, I've, I've exchanged it with somebody. Like one of the favorite things about Gina, and you know this, mm -hmm. she's one of the most emotionally charged individuals. So like if I hand her a sandwich that's mm -hmm. fucking great, it's like, it's like screening a fucking movie in an audience and the audience yeah. stands up and cheers at the end. <laughs> like it's that level of, of of reward that I get from it. Yeah. And so when you're done with it, you're like, yeah, yeah, I did this. I did yeah. this. I made this. It's storytelling that's involved with it. Um, and I guess, I, I don't know if this is cohesive in any way. This is something that we've been trying to put together and this is going to be a long running segment on the show. I just hope that it's my hope that talking about sandwiches and love sandwiches and this mm -hmm. process really motivates you um, to get to the core of storytelling, to get to the core of your emotional connection to storytelling. Mm -hmm. And the thing that is so discouraging often with what we do as directors and filmmakers is that it requires so much to get to that point. It requires so much resource and time and energy and money to yeah. finally get to that point where you're 
you're really playing with those tools. Like you're really right, manipulating right. those things. And there's so much build and disappointment and selling and pitching and yes and no. And it's so rare that I get to get to that point. Yeah. And this is something I was talking to my therapist about. Like, thank God for cooking. Mm. Thank God for love sandwiches. Because I get to have that there. And all it requires for me is a bit of forethought on what I put in my cupboard, what I have in the fridge, and then hanging out with the right people. Right. All right, man. It's so nice. And the, the reward of like cooking for even like a group of people, even one person, just seeing the satisfaction they have, it's, it's such a great feeling. Mm-hmm. You know? You and I have had a lot of fun in the kitchen together. Hell yeah. I, I still tell people about when we made the pizza. The, uh, what was it, the mint? A mozzarella, uh, red onions, and did we do pepperoni on there? Could have been know. like a pepperoni or something, but it was the mint that fucking the mint put it over really the top. fucking sends it. Yeah. See that ingredient, that specific because we could have been like, yeah, we hung out, we made pizzas mm-hmm. that day, but it was the mint. Oh, and then so okay, <laughs> here we go. So, uh, George and I went to our friend Cabrera's, uh, you know, Cubs, and mm-hmm. we uh, we were making going to make pizzas there. So we go over and I was like, fuck yeah. Like I'd been telling George all this story of like making food with you. So we got another friend who likes to cook. We're like, okay, let's, yeah, let's go do it. Let's go hang out and cook and shit. So we're cooking, we're having some drinks, we're doing our thing. And we get to the point of like, okay, like, you know, if you would want to add any seasonings or anything, like here's these things that here's the cabinet of the stuff. So I was like, you know what? I fucking love curry. Let me sprinkle a little curry on my pizza. Like I'm just going to hit it just real lightly and just see what this does, you know? Mm-hmm. So I... <laughs> I take the curry, I'm talking, I tip it to like let it sprinkle out a little bit and the (laughs) the plastic top with the holes wasn't on so it just boom, all poured out. One big ass mountain of curry right on the top of the pizza and I was just like, fuck, there's no way that's going to be Does anybody have a vacuum? (laughs) Yeah. So now I'm like apologizing. I'm like, sorry, I just wasted half your bottle of curry. So I scraped most of it off. I try to like even it out, sprinkle some still. That was the worst slice of pizza I've ever fucking tasted. <laughs> it was like a 409 made pizza. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is like the Lysol of pizza here. Oh, but it's such a funny ass memory for us. It's like we joke about it now. We're like, oh, yeah, remember the fucking curry pizza? Mm-hmm. And even though it didn't taste good, it was the experience of still doing it together and like going through this thing where I'm like, I thought this is going to taste so fucking good. Fucked up. It tasted horrible. My mm-hmm. friend was worried if hers was going to be good. Her pizza tasted amazing. 100%. You know, and, but we all got to share in this experience. I think like, that communal thing, like we can't get enough of that, man. We can I never know. get enough of that. I know. That's the point. Mm-hmm. If you guys, If you guys haven't figured it out yet, cheat sheet that's the point yeah this is the point is that those emotional those emotional experiences mm-hmm. and like uh the ability to experiment yeah with it especially when in i think today's world where we're, we all sort of looking for our pocket you mm-hmm. know whether it be at peace with our own little pocket of by ourselves or the pocket of people that we find ourselves in that we enjoy and i think that's what draws a lot of us to you know film because it's not just about the movie making is fun. The ideas in your mind are fun. You want to explore these things or explore these personal aspects of your life. But once you get around the crew and you realize, oh, this is this is a village here, that thing also becomes addictive. I think it's the same in the kitchen where, you know, if you're working in a restaurant or you're with family, there's this unit in the kitchen and this village you get to be a part of for a little while. And mm-hmm. it's only until the thing you're there to do is done. And mm-hmm. then it's over with. Mm-hmm. Just like and then movies. you eat and then it's over and you leave. And there's something heartbreaking about that. It's like anytime you finish a, a big job or, or, and you, you wrap and you're done and you go home, 
that car ride home fucking sucks. So you feel like you've gotten broken up with or like yeah. summer camp's over or it's, it's the last day of your senior year. Like, am I going to see these people again? Yeah. There's something really, really cathartic in that. And I think that's what makes it feel so precious. That's why we go back to still do it. And that's what makes it like such a beautiful community to be part of. Cause we all understand that. Like this takes a lot to even be here and we get to share this together. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, so yeah, let's, let's make this thing. Let's eat this food. Let's share these recipes. Let's share these ideas and thoughts. Let's learn from each other. And I think if we did more of that shit, I'm not going to say that we'll be perfect, but I think we'd be better, better off than we are. Fuck yeah, dude. And dude, being someone that was on his deathbed, those are the things that yeah. you think about. Yeah. Those are the moments. You're not thinking about like that thing I bought. You're not thinking about that movie I made. You're thinking about those moments. And, yeah. And, and either you've had enough of those moments to feel content mm-hmm. or you're depressed because you really squandered those moments and you didn't take the time. To Absolutely, get man. You know? I was looking up, <laughs> I was looking up lung cancer last night because I smoked so much. <laughs> it was Jesus. a very stupid fucking idea, oh, which yeah, led yeah. me into throat cancer. And I was like, Oh my God. And I'm like swallowing. I'm like, did I always swallow like this? Or is oh, it weird now? God. But it got me thinking, right? Uh-huh. And, it, a moment hit me where I, I was like, oh my God, like what if I ended up like, if I was in a position, I lost my voice. Like what would, what would suck about that? I'm like, oh, I could never act again. And as, as that thought passed me, I was like, I mean, okay, but like I could write and shit. Like I could still be a part of this thing. It'd be still be pretty cool. Or I could be one of these actors, like one of the first actors to get do the voice box thing. I don't know. But the one that hit me that really bummed me out was thinking if I don't have a voice, the thing I would miss would be making people laugh. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. being able to tell those jokes being able to riff being loud with my own laugh you know with the reaction that, that gets mm-hmm. and it just made me think about again that sense of community picking you back to it you know mm-hmm. you're like ah yeah this thing these things would suck to lose those but if i lost a piece of what i felt my community was that that little bit of identity i find myself in with people mm-hmm. oh that would be devastating you know that explains the uh my my thing of water thing yeah right yeah I'm fucking i'm looking like jack looking for jill right now i got my pail of water uh well we should wrap this up this has been a great episode um thanks for coming oh thanks for having me man thanks for being here brother appreciate it and uh those of you listening i hope it's been interesting for you i think it's i think we we've gone off on some weird tangents on this show but um like I said, I here's the exciting stuff, okay? I knew that I think I wanted to do this love sandwich thing, so I've mm-hmm. asked many of our guests that I've already sat down and recorded. So expect to, to get, maybe on some random Thursdays every now and then, a short love sandwich segment with some of the prior guests that we've had on the show. Oh, I can't wait to hear the taco guys. Dude, the taco guys. Uh, <sighs> Lexi Luna, the porn star, hers yeah. is really great. Um, I've asked a lot of folks about this stuff. More jokes are just flying in right I now. It's Love flying sandwiches, in. I get it. No, no, that's two on the cuff. I was going manwich. <laughs> you remember those ads? It's a manwich yes. meal. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck does that mean? This is terrible. <laughs> Listen, the early 90s had really shitty marketing going on. <laughs> I know you're trying to wrap it up. I'm sorry, but I just had to get this off. It's so stupid, some of this stuff. Oh, dude, I was thinking, uh-oh, better get Mako when you were talking about Mako. Oh, yeah. yeah. TNT, movies for guys who like movies. Yeah, you're fucking putting movies on. Of course they're for guys who like movies. They're for anyone who likes movies because the only thing you're selling is fucking movies but what <laughs> but also we're such a fucking generation yeah. of advertising at this point god yeah isn't it nuts mm-hmm. even what cracks me with the most of the the matrix moves matrix movie had uh the unreal engine demo that they put out right mm-hmm. and 
in the Unreal demo, there's a scene where Keanu Reeves and um, uh, Carrie Ann Moss's character are riding around with the character you're supposed to be quote playing as, and she says, watch out for agents. If you see agents, just run like your life depends on it. And he's like, yeah, there's nothing worse than agents except marketing. And he looks in the camera. And I was like, turn this bullshit off, man. And it was like at that moment, I was like, oh, dude, is this movie going to suck? Because yeah. it's like, I, I get you're like, oh, man, fuck the marketing thing. I'm like, but, but you're kind of doing it too. You know, I'm like, can we just not do the thing? Can yeah. we just, can we just not like tout off our own existence? Let's just, let's escape. That's the point. Yeah. It's that escape that we've been so desperate for. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird time. Um, and, it's a weird time for content. There's a lot of really good content mm -hmm. out there, but there's a lot of bullshit content out there that's being touted as really good content. Speaking of co content, did you know that uh, Sean Penn apparently is in Ukraine making a documentary about the Russian invasion? I did Last I saw that. this guy interviewed El Chapo after he escaped from prison. I was like, I don't think anyone's catching that. He interviewed him after he escaped prison. How the fuck does Sean Penn know where that guy is? The government doesn't. <laughs> I feel like when he comes back across the plane, somebody's like, hey, we got some fucking questions, dude. <laughs> I did not know that that would Yeah, he's there doing the documentary. I said, this is a brave man. I don't know. Mm, he certainly doesn't have those coward genes. <laughs> <laughs> what he's, a he's guy. Sean Penn, okay. Man. He's Sean Penn. Yeah. Yeah. You know, classic Sean Penn. I am Sam. Uh, that's right. I am Sam. Yep. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, man, thanks for being on. Um and uh thank you guys for listening and uh when is your so you're still recording your episodes with that show. You don't know when Yeah, we're still shooting it. Um I don't know, yeah, I don't know when they're going to officially release. Um I I do know this is yeah, they've announced this. I do know this is the final season of it though. Yeah. Uh which is a bit of a bummer, but I'm like, eh, you can kind of feel it. You know, you know how it is on set. You can just tell when like, okay, yeah, this is this is wrapping up. Yeah, like everybody's yeah. done with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is a shame because they made the announcement um, before we even started production. So I guess it, but it's just like that thing. Where like, it's like when you give your two weeks notice mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, let's just get through it. Mm -hmm. You can feel that a little bit. Which I'm like, I get it. You know, you guys have been here before. You've already done this. You know, you're ready How to move on to other things. Like three seasons? Four this seasons? is the second one. Second season. Yeah. Oh, wild, dude. That's it. I'm like, what all right. Weird thing. What a weird thing. But it's always cool to get to go back home to Boston. Yeah. Hopefully this other one works out. It'll be cool too. Yeah. You know, if they let me just do my fucking thing. Word okay. of advice to casting directors. Oh, I can't wait to just, just <laughs> yeah. let actors just try something first. The whole idea, right? Oh, here we go. It, the See, whole idea. The show's not even <laughs> The whole idea that someone comes in. It's like if you came in for a fucking job interview, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of asking you the questions and trying to peel back the layers to see, hey, is this person right for the job? I just immediately tell you, we're looking for this, 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 and this. So don't do anything that's not those things. Okay, great. So now I'm going to ask you all the questions. And now you're just trying to make sure you answer like this, 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 and this, or you fuck it up. All of a sudden, there's all this pressure that's just front loaded with it because it's just confusing now at this point. Right. But at the same token, if they're saying that to everybody that goes in there, then everybody's going to be providing them with the same. Exactly. And then whoever is that outlier who is just like mm -hmm. either intentionally not doing it right or maybe fucks up doing it right. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're dealing with that, uh, uh, 
you, you know, you're just exhausted as the fucking director sitting there right. looking at all the right. same fucking performances. You're like, yeah. go for the guy that was different. What 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 was his name? Yeah, and and then I, they, I you're gonna scroll through those thumbnails and you go, well, that's there's something. This is not it's not a guy doing a fucking cartwheel. But some, there's something different there. What's that one? Well, let's let's bookmark that one and we'll come back, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the moment you want, you know, is for that thing to work. And, and the one thing I notice like, as I get further in this career is that half of everybody doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. 100%, 100%. 100%. You know, and you just have to go with what feels right. You have to go with your gut, go with your instinct, you know? And I think when you hit those points where somebody has to wave the power around and just gatekeep just for the sake of fucking doing it, I feel like I just don't want to work with that person ever. Yeah. Because I do, you're just a pain in the ass. And then I have to peel it back even more and go, why are you like this? You're a casting yeah. Are you doing this because you started out acting and it didn't work out? And so this <laughs> is your power move now to inflict what you think is the right way to do this. Meanwhile, it's fucking art. It's all subjective, man. Just let people do their thing. And here's the best part, too, especially in that position. You're the one that was hired to find the people. So no matter what, they're going to pick someone you picked. Mm-hmm. No matter what, you can't lose. Someone you submit is who they're going to choose. Because they're contracted with you. The only thing you could do is give everybody a fair chance for them to win with you by letting them just come do their thing. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Fuck it. Move on. We get to, the whole thing is a thousand no's. No problem. But you don't get, you know, let, give the opportunity for a yes. I, it, this business is loaded with, with I, 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 I think the term gatekeepers is just too general mm-hmm. of a term. I think there's just, there's a lot of emotionally affected individuals that find themselves in the positions of power. Yeah. And you know, we've seen the, over the past few years we've seen the most destructive uses of that and the yeah. most villainous uses of that power. Yeah. But it also comes down to very small angles and avenues of like, mm-hmm. this is my this is my temple. You're in my fucking temple and you're going to yeah. do things the way I say you're going to mm-hmm. do things. And you're right. You have to navigate these fucking people and yeah. you have to stay true to yourself. This is something that I've learned too, like getting into, you know, pitching in Hollywood and getting into like trying to make movies. You end up in the room with folks that you assume because of the stuff that they've done. You assume that they yeah. know more than you do. You right. assume that they have all of the information that you've taught yourself or you've been trained yeah. on plus some because yep. it's like, oh, you're, this motherfucker's successful. So mm-hmm. he knows all that stuff. It blows my mind how many people that are in positions of power don't know how to do things, yeah. don't know how to make a movie, don't know how mm-hmm. to go through the process of any of that stuff. And you're just like, whoa. Right. And then, and then when it comes to them flexing the power, I think especially now too, you just have to be mindful also, right? Like if you're in that position of power control, let's say in this case, you're the white guy in the position of power control mm-hmm. and you're pushing for diversity, right? And so a guy like me comes in and you present the scenario where essentially if you don't do it like I say to do it, it's not going. <laughs> and I think that's the moment where I go, you have to be mindful of this because like how you're behaving does look wild. You know, you're, you're, you're in this position where like you could open up these doors as opportunities but if you play ball though, well, come on, man. What is what the fuck? You know? That's always yes. I, I'm not slope. excusing it, but that that is the system that we mm-hmm. have been playing in yeah. for so long. And it would be nice if that system changed. Yeah. But uh and maybe it is uh, to a certain extent, I feel yeah. like it it yeah. is. 
but it's just, always going to be assholes. They're just assholes, man. Mm-hmm. Regardless of like how you're packaging it, regardless of who it's affecting, it just comes down to whether or not you're an asshole. And if you're carrying a fucking chip on your shoulder, and if that yep. chip is affecting everybody else that comes in the fucking room. Yep. That's it. And then when you come across the assholes, you got to do your best to just move past this. You don't wind up with the chip on the shoulder. Which is the hard part. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, it is so vicious. This business is so fucking vicious. Mm-hmm. Because there's no rule set. Yeah. There's no rule set. It's like mm-hmm. this magical element that happens where you could hire all the, the, the best actors in the fucking planet, the best director in the planet, the best writer in mm-hmm. the planet, put together the ultimate crew and have a piece of shit fucking movie. Yeah. It's like if you if you if you start out leaving home and home is a fucking shitty double wide and you walk through the thickest jungle of brambles barefoot just to get to the garden of Eden on the other side and when you finally get there, if you even get there, you hope that it feels as good as home did. <laughs> you know? You hope it feels like was every step worth it, you know? And I think I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that when we do get chances to work, it does always feel that way. It does at least feel like that. So when these mother moments come and it's a pain in the ass or it's stressful, you go, ah, okay, fuck it. But you know what? But I know when I get there, it'll feel good. I know it'll be worth it. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. And you you, you want to just sort of maneuver that stuff. And, mm-hmm. You know I, know, I know what you're talking about. We don't have to get specific about what yep. you're talking about, but I know what you're talking about. And it's like when we were talking off air, I was telling you that I was listening to Mark Maron's recent podcast mm-hmm. with Mina Servino. Uh, what is her name? Mina Sorvino. Servino. Thank, mm-hmm. thank you. Jesus Christ, I'm such a terrible podcast host. <laughs> Servino. And um, I loved her. She was in Mimic. Mm-hmm. She was in all these really great, uh, beautiful girls, like all these movies from the yeah. 90s. Amazing actress. She was an Academy Award winning actress. No shit. Yeah. And she was that. like amazing. And then uh, she was a victim of uh, the Weinstein. So she was a victim of him. You know, Jesus I wanna, Christ. I want to fucking sleep with you. She's like, no. And then he's like, your career's over. And no one, I don't think it, no one in Hollywood should have that much power to, you know what I mean? Like 20 years. He, he, <sighs> he pulled her out for 20 years. Jesus Christ. She was at the top of her game. She was, I'm surprised no one fucking killed him. I did. Cause I'm telling you right now, man, if somebody was like, Hey, here's the deal. I put you in fantastic four. If you suck my dick, I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to say no thanks quick, though. I'm going to think about it for a second. I'm going to give it some thought. <laughs> but if, if somebody said, I say no, and then they, they totally, like, just your career is gone after that. Oh, man. I don't know. Dude, it's tough. And, and, and then how do you process it? Because you're talking about gatekeepers. You're talking about these people. Let's, let's take out the equation of the fact that they may be celebrities. Let's yeah. take out the equation of the fact that everything that they've done is amazingly successful. Maybe they're new yeah. in the game. But they're just further ahead than you are, mm-hmm. and there's this this thought process of, you know, what, they must know more than I do. Mm-hmm. They must know how to do this more than I do. Yeah, and you have to remind is yourself: is this how it's done? Is this just part of it? Right. You have to remind yourself that like they could have got there by freak accident. They could have been in this position because of nepotism. Yeah. They could be in this position because of anything else, and it isn't necessarily because they have the same skills that you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you should go into these things arrogantly. Yeah, of course like, not. I know more than this person. And of course not. What have you done in the whole fucking game? Yeah. But I think you have to be smart. This, you got to be willing to collaborate. Exa- you got to be willing to collaborate, but you also have to like ask those questions. Like You were asking those questions like, why did this guy get in this business? Was he an actor and is he a failed actor? Mm-hmm. Those are That's valuable intel because mm-hmm. then you start to understand what the motivations of this person yeah. is ultimately and the emotional motivations and 
I know it's a whole different scenario and I don't want to step in a world of craziness that I cannot navigate and I should not navigate, but like, <laughs> I don't, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a woman trying to deal God, with no. that. I can't even imagine mm -hmm. the level because it just fucked the business, like just in a regular world, trying mm -hmm. to navigate males and trying to navigate all oh, that yeah. stuff. I was hanging out with uh, a scene part, my scene partner for class right now, and she was telling me this story about a guy she dated, and she was like so impressed by the fact she was like, "Oh my god, this guy was actually like a nice guy," and I was like, "That's a fucking shame. Yeah. That's a shame that like." Uh, you know, you could have a single experience with a person and go, "Holy shit, those those that entire category of people." Oh, they are there's there's a nice one. Yeah, you know, it's like, damn, what have we done? It really is a system that has been in place for so long. Yeah, and the difference between genders and the power struggle between genders, I just can't mm -hmm. imagine. What I've always tried to do, and you know, when, on my sets, mm -hmm. I want to hire and I want to work with the best people. Yeah, just people. Mm -hmm. For me, it's more than talent. It's people. Yeah, like I want to hang out with these people. Like, I want to hang out with that person. I want to talk to them. I want to like ask them questions. Like she's really great. She's very challenging. She mm -hmm. challenges me like intellectually. She challenges mm -hmm. the crew intellectually. Like mm -hmm. she brings a lot to the table and her life experiences bring so much to this. Yeah. And especially if you're doing like a film that has rounded characters mm. and you want to have a female character. I, what the fuck do I know about what mm -hmm. it's like to be a 14-year-old girl? Yeah. I don't know anything about I saw that was fascinating with the movie, um, the last, what is it, the, the most recent Ridley Scott one? Oh, uh, The Last Night or The Last Duel? The Last Duel. Uh, they actually, Matt and Ben apparently brought, I was just listening to, um, who was it that was in that? Somebody from the show. Oh, the, the actress from the movie was interviewed and she talked about that they had brought a, a female writer in yes. to write um, the wife's perspective of the script and to oversee other scenes for, for her throughout the movie. I thought that's brilliant. Yeah, because you got to go, look, we're talented writers. We could do this, but there is an authenticity and a voice that's needed here. And let's go find that person. Mm -hmm. And in the process, you're giving that person, you know, a, a step up in the career or, you know, if, if they're not already at that level. But you see what I'm saying? It's like instead of dri driving with just ego, why not just go, let me take a step back. 100%. Let's see what somebody else has to say. Let's see what somebody else has to offer, you know? Every successful step in my career is when I check my ego and I bring someone else in. Absolutely. And the benefits of that, not just for the story, but also the benefits for my my career have always been from that. From me yeah. just saying like, I know enough that it's better for me to bring in another writer. I know it's better for me to bring in a cinematographer. I know mm -hmm. it's better. And the just the results of that put me into a world that I could never have designed for myself. Yeah. Which is which is nice, and once you understand that, you sort of check your ego, and you get past your insecurities, then you're on the rise. You're, you're, That's it. You got nowhere to go but up. That's it, man. You know, and, and it, there's something beautiful about doing it the right way. You know, I was talking with my reps this morning. And I said I would rather it take longer. We do it a way that feels right, a way that feels honest, a way that feels like it has integrity, and then when we get there, we can look around and go, okay. And we're here. We're not going. We're here now. Yeah. You know, and I said that I, I want that story. And if, if it's not going to be that story, then I don't need it. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is, is a lot of people get where they are by fucking people over. There's, yep. a, there's a big part of that. Oh, yeah. That happens out there. Anyway, I don't know. So, we hey, got, kids, come so to far. Hollywood and so be a famous movie star. Jesus Christ. Be in the moving pictures. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How do we get into sticky territory? <laughs> um, anyway. 
we should wrap this up because we've done yeah. it for two hours. And oh, I got to skedaddle. You're late. Um, yeah. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for sharing your sandwich stories. Great, well, thank you for asking, man. You know I love talking about dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool, man. We should, I should have him come out here Thanksgiving and we can do it. We should do a podcast with your dad on Oh, he would love that. Yeah, he's cool. I bet he cries. I bet you right now, 20 bucks, he gets he gets chucked up at some point. Really? I bet you 20 bucks. Ooh, I can see the numbers going mm-hmm. up. The listenership is going through the yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. I've already got you on the show. You did well. The last episode you did. Oh, that was a great episode. The that listenerships, they like you. People that was, that was a great one. Like you. That was a great one. Not to inflate your ego anymore. That, pff, my head's already big as it is. Yeah. I can't do no worse. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get the fuck out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And uh, hold on, let me cue a music out here. Needle drop. Yeah.